0: Thank mm-hmm. you. a verte porque estoy desesperado.
1: everybody.
2: Hello. Can you hear me?
0: Yes. I can This
2: waiting? is as loud as I can get.
1: Are you hiding from a dictator?
2: <laughs> I'm, my parents are sleeping.
1: So the answer is yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody.
2: Nice. Hello, everybody. Nice, Chico,
1: uh, you know nice you're word. calling. Sorry, I'm a little loud. Mm-hmm. You're calling into a radio show.
2: Yeah. But we can't hear you. You can't hear me. I'd like oh. to talk like this. Let's make the whole show like this. So what made you pick the song that you picked?
1: Because it's called Vieja Amiga. Old friend. Female friend. Is it for me? It's for me. That was just a coincidence, actually. (laughs) 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 Because it's one of the songs that I wanted to use as an example for how a bridge can change the direction of a song. Because uh-huh. sh- the theme of tonight's show is bridges, Chica.
2: Is it? Cool. I love bridges.
1: I love how enthusiastic <laughs> I sound. Uh-huh. And then how you follow it up. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> I told you I won't be the best tonight. I'm going to whisper all night. And we're going to have to bring other people fast.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm ready to do this all alone. Aw. I have a little okay. stuffed animal on my hand I'm going to talk to. And it's going <laughs> to talk back.
2: What's What's its name? Spidey. Spidey? Is
1: it a spider? Mm
2: -hmm. It's a spider-man. You know me. Is it (laughs) Spider-man? Of course I know you. I think I know the doll. I got rid of a box of my toys from my childhood yesterday. Mm -hmm. I had a few boxes at my parents' house and I opened one. It was full of like uh, smelling erasers. And stuffed animals, and several dolls that looked fairly freaky at this point in life. And I was like, "Good thing that they've been hiding this for me." So I gave it away.
1: You but think I they'll notice? To... Since they didn't, that's, I... since they were hiding it. Anyway,
2: I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know if they'll notice, but we'll see.
1: Well, they must not be regular listeners to the show. Otherwise, they would have no, found
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me all my secrets. It's like we're at a slumber party. Yeah, Pooja, I'm in my jammies, under a blanket.
1: Yeah. I'm in my wife beater and flax some sort.
2: Are you going to the climbing gym, Adam?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I went today and yesterday. Where is it going? Uh,
2: Good. Are you making friends?
1: Are you making new friends? I made one friend. (laughs) Yes. He's the dude at the other end of the rope.
2: (laughs) Is it always the same
3: dude? So far, yeah.
1: But uh, because I've gotten lazy, like, I asked a few people when I first started going if they would want to work with me, want to, like, climb with me, and some of them were like, oh, I'm leaving, or some were just said, you fucking look weird, dude. Um, (laughs) Really? But then this one guy was like, oh, you're pretty, so... After that, I was like, well, I'll just let's work with this guy.
2: <laughs> did he really say that?
1: No. No. But I know he's thinking so tell it.
2: You, tell me about the celebration of the president-elect.
1: That must have well, been Well, why doesn't everybody tell us about it? What did everybody do on Saturday?
2: Yeah, Colin and Tony. Don't be people. shy.
1: We only have a few don't days to enjoy this lady. moment before we might lose it.
2: <laughs> I hope
1: not. Well, I was um, in bed and my neighbor was yelling out the back, door, back, back window something, Joe, we love Joe, or we won, or we did it. I don't know. I was just waking up. And um, Mm -hmm. then what? I ran out into the living room and Chica was, or shit, Sharon was on the sofa. (laughs) Oh yeah. He was yelling, it's over. It's over.
0: (laughs) And I went out
1: to the living room and Sharon was on the sofa and then I don't know. It took a while to get, you know, awake and friends were texting and, The next thing I know, Jason and Anna were like, oh, we're going to come down from Beacon. So Sharon and I went out. We went out for a walk. Oh, we went to the corner. Oh, that's right. Um, On the south side of the park, there were hundreds of people partying the street and waving flags and screaming because we live in Brooklyn and there's liberals everywhere. And then we came home and cleaned up and made lunch. I might be missing other parts. The weekend got a little blurry after that. We met friends at the park. <laughs> um, there were spontaneous cheers every five or 10 minutes from people everywhere. Everybody was in the park. And then that. we came back here and sat in the yard and hung out and watched uh, the speeches on your from your projector to my screen and then Mm. the next thing I know it was Sunday and then Kim came over and we hung out (laughs) um had pizza next thing you
2: know it was Monday
1: and then the next thing I know it was Monday and (laughs) yeah so anybody else have an interesting story how do you celebrate the the election the shortest presidency in the history of our country might be shorter than uh, Andrew Harrison's.
2: <laughs> I hope not. So did you oh. do? Me? hmm I
0: don't
2: I've been like checking probably the numbers every fifteen minutes or something when I was awake. Mm-hmm. So I saw it probably like nineteen minutes into the that it was certain that it's happening and like when you said it's over I was like oh my god I can't believe is it but I didn't do anything I just had some tea with my cousin and my brother uh,
1: so you guys aren't I used to the speeches. what it's like to win an election But I... <laughs> you don't know how to celebrate <laughs> I,
2: know. I know I'm just kidding <laughs> but we have no reason to celebrate it in turkey
1: do i sound okay do i sound weird
2: you sound okay i sound weird
1: no you sound fine it's just last week so we have this new ability to upload the music right at the sound or sound bean and it sounds mm-hmm. great right but mm-hmm. i feel like my voice sounds more tingy no.
2: no, you sound fine. Mm. No, I didn't get that. We had that the first time when we tried to play Emily's songs, and you had to call in from your phone, I think. But
1: you sound fine. Well, I solved the problem. Um, Safari mm. doesn't support Podbean as well as Chrome. So once I use Chrome, I can uh. play the music and still have a microphone.
2: I see. It's so strange. I don't know why Chrome is better in doing such stuff. When I do voiceover, too, I have to do it over Chrome, hmm,
0: interesting.
2: not Firefox or Safari. It's apparently so, better for oh, that stuff.
1: Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Um, interesting. I was going to talk about bridges tonight in the music, and I had a funny example in case some listeners aren't sure what a bridge is. Do you know what a bridge is, Chico?
2: I think I do, Adam. Yeah? But I'd like you to explain it.
1: So a bridge is like a pause that links two ideas, and they can have a great effect on the music. And I think what makes them fascinating is that we often, when we think of a song, we think of the melody or maybe the rhythm. But a bridge can have a lot of impact. It's almost like the yin and yang of a melody. For example, if I was going to start a story and I said, it was a dark and stormy night. And that's the bridge. Did you hear it?
2: I just heard a note. That's the bridge. Now I heard That's small. That's short.
1: Yeah, that's a bridge from a disartley. Okay, so it was a dark and stormy night. So that takes my story in one direction. But if I say it was a dark and stormy night, it was a dark and stormy night. So that's a bridge from Troilo. And that could take the story in another direction. Mm -hmm. You following me? I'm following you. I love it. Okay. One more. It was a dark. Can I say? Yeah.
2: Can I say that part?
1: Well, let me. You want to say yes? Sure. It was dark
2: and stormy. Go. It was a dark.
1: Wait, you have to stop saying it once I play the bridge.
2: (laughs) Okay, I wanted to say the whole thing. I didn't say it yet. You did. (laughs) Okay, do it again. Okay. It was a dark and stormy night.
0: You
1: see? Say it again.
2: Yeah, the mood changes completely. It Say it again. It was a dark and stormy
1: night. That one's hard because it's so <laughs> short. It's hard for me to pause it.
2: It's so, it's so short.
1: So, bridges link uh, melodies. Phrases, sentences.
0: That's
2: a really cool explanation. I like your Stormy Nuts.
1: So, what I did was I pulled out just the actual bridge, which is what I was just playing. Mm -hmm. And then I pulled out the full section that has the bridge that I want to give an example of. For example, Troilo Bridge.
0: No ven que soy botán, me quiebre mi canción Como un puñal de acero pa' cantar una traición Me gusta compadre. soy reo pa' bailar mi compa, yo soy el viejo tango que nací en el
2: It's amazing the last one, right? Mm-hmm. The way it goes into the
1: Oh, I love that song. So what I was gonna I'll talk about this more after we have Avik on the show, but each bridge that I chose
0: mm-hmm.
1: is shown with different instrumentation. Okay. The most common mm-hmm. is what you'll hear here. So what was the bridge? What was what played the bridge? Piano. Yes. And you'll find in most tangos, especially in the forties and especially in the fifties, the piano is the bridge. That's like generally the instrument for the bridge. We can talk more about this later. You can have call in. Okay. I have calling?
2: Okay.
1: I know you want to get. I know you want to get to bed.
2: Oh, I I'm okay.
1: I okay. Well, then me. we can continue. After or during or.
3: Hello. Hey, Abby. Hello, Hello. Hello. Hi, Adam. Chico. Hello. Hey, man. <clears throat> Are you also hiding from your parents? <laughs> no, this is my normal voice. <laughs> I'm from Michigan, remember? Go blue. I have to say, Chico, Chico, your voice was so soothing, you know. You sound like a meditation master. Oh, is it? <laughs> oh,
1: fantastic.
3: It's actually, it's funny I just said that, go blue, because isn't that what they
1: say normally for Michigan? Oh,
3: totally. You know I thought that's what you were talking about, yeah. That's, uh, no, I was
1: talking about the election oh yeah that too. <laughs> but well. yeah you know,
3: that too how are you doing man
2: how is it for you uh, the, the, the celebration the win?
3: <laughs> oh it's been great here um you know not as wild as new york i'm sure but you know people are honking in the road and um mm. just like there were lots of students uh, celebrating on campus um, I don't know I feel like a, a big sense of relief because you know Ann Arbor is the kind of place where if you drive 10 miles outside it's a very different uh, very different scene so I think uh, within our little bubble we're all pretty happy but uh, probably people who aren't in that bubble probably feel just as badly as we feel happy so yeah
1: Oh, yeah, we can relate. We can rewind four years ago. Yeah,
3: exactly. Oh, my god. I don't know. I've been sort of thinking, like, well, I don't want to be a sore winner, even though some people are sore losers, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my god. It was four years ago. It was terrible. We had a class the next day, 20 people in class, Uh and everybody was so quiet. It took us it a whole like a, hour to get people like to smile, I feel.
3: It's like a therapy session, right? And you're the fucking therapist, <laughs> man. That's the worst part. <laughs> you can't cry too. You have to be like the... Yeah.
1: <laughs> like last week when we had the podcast, Chico was unable to come. Um, the young woman who played bandoneon for us was really nervous about the election and you know, it's Wednesday, so it's, things are starting to look better, but nothing is called. And I have to host a podcast and try to just be like,
0: hey, everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but that was a lot easier than four years ago. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh,
2: yeah.
3: I'm sure. Yeah, la- four years ago, I was Absolutely. actually in uh, in Morocco when it happened, because I-, I take students to the UN climate conference every year. And it was held that, in, in Morocco that year. So we watched it like in Morocco time, which was several hours uh, later. So, and we had to go to bed. So we went to bed like before the polls even closed and almost surely we thought that the election would go the other way. And, and uh, I woke up in the morning, I remember coming down to this apartment that had this big breakfast table and like all the students were like sitting at the table looking like someone died. And they like look at me and they're like, Don't you know? And so then I like looked at my phone, you know, because I'm older and I don't look at my phone all the time. And I I saw that he won. I was like, oh wow. <laughs> that was that was a moment. It's still like emblazoned in my memory. I was
1: out of five guys in you know, all those um, hours, like midtown somewhere. And We were up in Ohio and I was like, oh, I'm going to go to my friend Adi. I was bartending up on the Upper East Side four years ago at this bar. And I'm like, I'm going to go up there and celebrate. Because, yeah, he also had like a small Milonga when he would would bartend, which was cool. By the time I get there, we're fucking losing by a lot. I was like,
3: oh, <laughs> "Well, isn't that what it seemed like on Tuesday, on Election Day here too?" I was like, "Oh my God, is it repeating?" Well, my anxiety me? was oh my through God, the roof yes. when I went to sleep that night.
1: I, I, in fact, I think I went to sleep at like five
3: because I just was freaking out. Oh yeah, I've been on Twitter like nonstop since the election, which I don't normally do. But, uh, <laughs> just <laughs> counting all the time.
1: Today I've been anxious. I'll admit. Like i I showed up tonight. For the show with a lot of positive energy but to be honest all day i've been in a totally different mood and very anxious plus plus it's like raining all day and it's dark and um and just seeing dark how and stormy night it was a dark and stormy night
3: <laughs> and um <laughs> that's my bridge
2: <laughs> what was that i like it <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, Battle of Bridges. I like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just... I, um, don't have any I think my problem is I go on social media too much and I see everybody else having meltdowns and then I'm like, oh, fuck.
3: <laughs> That's the problem. Like, we all, we all do that, you know? And then we, we take on other people's stress when maybe we don't really have to. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident we're going to maintain the win sounds so stupid even have this conversation (laughs) we're gonna keep winning even though we already did
3: we're all worried that we're gonna like lose something we just won (laughs) yeah well i mean in biden seemed pretty confident when like i think reporters asked him like well what do you think about you know the possibility of all these lawsuits and everything he's like i'm not worried about it basically and he said it pretty assuredly so yeah i feel i still feel okay about it
1: yeah i think he's also what he's also not doing is getting into the mud with about he's not even bothering to have the conversation about it which i think is really smart he's just yeah letting them have their nervous mental breakdowns and and figure out you know what sort of lawsuits they think they can swing and then he's just going to keep take you know following the course
3: and you know. i think it'll be okay
1: the, the vote officially that's is on so December good. 14th, so we'll know.
3: I mean, that's when the electorates vote. That's right, yeah. When the elector's slate is chosen.
1: Anyway, you're here for five <laughs> questions. Oh, and, which and I don't know, by official. the way. It's not official.
3: Five questions. Five questions. Five questions. Five questions. My, my, my,
0: my <laughs>
3: <laughs> so
1: I have my first question is who was the last person you danced tango with?
3: The last person I danced tango with. Um Oh my goodness, do I even remember? I think it might have been Oh wow, I really can't remember. I, th- I think it's uh, a woman named Andrea who is here in uh, Ann Arbor mm-hmm. um, at a Milonga that was actually not in Ann Arbor is in, in Troy, which is a suburb of Detroit that um, uh, some folks in Troy they, they've been running this tango scene for a long time. Actually, tango in Michigan started in that area um, with a couple named Amy and Ray.
2: Yeah, and, really? Uh,
3: so. So yeah, in fact, I I grew up in Troy. So that studio (laughs) is like a mile from where I grew up. Uh, So that was, that was the last thing I went to. And, uh, it was was like, I think probably just the weekend before everything shut down. And I remember, um, Mm -hmm. we were outside with a few friends and, um, we're sharing a joint because it's legal in Michigan to do that. And, uh, and you know i sometimes think about that i was like oh that could have been a really great way to share share the the covid with each Shared
0: other the love <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: uh, and then we found out the week after that a woman who was at that milonga had been tested had a colleague who had tested positive positive. and of course back then we didn't know how virulent it was and how dangerous it was which of course it is very dangerous but uh we were all sure that we had it or at least i i felt like i I had to behave in a way that i had it so i was like pretty much self-quarantining from that point onwards she turned out not to have it but still Mm
2: -hmm.
3: yeah i was i think a
1: lot of us were hoping we had we had it (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> <laughs> you know in the early days yeah, i was so like i hope i was one of those no. ace
3: as- no. oh sorry go ahead what did you say oh no no i was no go ahead I... oh i was just saying i was
1: I, I was just saying that in the early days i think a lot of us were wishing we were the asymptomatic
3: ones yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, now it seems much riskier to actually get it. And I would much rather not get it and uh, get a vaccine eventually. But uh, yeah. we we'll see what happens.
1: I don't think so, I remember I heard... the last person I danced with, either. Yeah, it, it, it was
2: with me at the after party for sure.
1: Adam. uh yes but i'm still correct some, in saying uh, i don't remember jungle, who i'd answer <laughs>
2: yeah but we danced some jungle book music was it that night
1: mm-hmm. at the after party i remember doing the jungle book one night i don't know really if it was that down. night what you say yeah
2: so avik follow-up question mm-hmm. to adams what was your last tango trip
3: Uh, I went to the Nashville Tango Marathon, which was awesome. I I thought that uh, Ramsey did a really great job in putting it together. And it was was a good group of people and lots of friends that I've got in tango. We were all there and enjoyed it a lot. And I imagine that probably someone there had COVID. (laughs) I mean, in all likelihood, that was like at the end of February. Was that
2: February or was that...
3: Yeah, end oh, of wow. February, like early March, um, but uh, mm-hmm. but it was a great time, and uh, I, that's my last strong memory of tango, anyway. And I I miss it, but you know, I uh, great things
2: I, about that festival. He
3: he did a really good job. Ramsey's a he's a very dedicated organizer, and um, it was his first time an doing amazing an event.
2: Guitarist.
3: And an amazing guitarist, yeah, yeah. He's just a really hard worker, so he put that hard work and love into the (laughs) event in Nashville, and it was it came through. I forgot he was there now.
2: Had you been to Nashville
3: before? Um, you know, I actually thought I had, but when I got there, I realized I hadn't, and I'd actually been to Memphis, which just goes to show you how much I sort of blur. Lot of the places in the South.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I really liked Nashville.
1: When were you you there? We were there during Hurricane Sandy and
3: one time before that. I don't know if this came across your news feed, but like the day after the Nashville marathon, I think there was like a huge tornado there and like some of the tango folks who had stayed an extra day like were very close to the actual- Yes, yes,
2: I remember that.
3: (laughs) I I
1: remember that. Yeah,
2: I remember people posting about it.
1: I was in Minnesota (laughs) for my last tango marathon thing.
3: When was that? Minnesota,
1: the first weekend of March. That's when right everything was getting shut down. I woke up Saturday morning in Minnesota, and I saw in the newspaper that 17 million people in Italy were being quarantined, and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yep. I was like, this is real.
0: Oh, man.
3: <laughs> man. They didn't know that the real tornado was just around the corner, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah no shit no shit well I um I'm gonna divert the direction from COVID to a week how did you first start tango what got you into it and what made Mm. you stay
3: oh man well you know like many people who've been dancing a while they always tell this story so you've probably heard it before but uh Essentially, uh, I was, let me start it off by saying, I danced tango because I was cheap. That's usually how I started. Because, and the, the story goes, that I, <laughs> I, I think I was in a relationship before, and we'd just broken up, and I was kind of looking for something new to do, and I was uh, a student at the university, a grad student at University of Michigan. And a friend of mine told me, an Argentine friend of mine told me that there was a new club at the university and that they were teaching tango lessons and that I should go. And she was telling this to a bunch of uh, people. Well, I was the only person in that group who actually took her up Mm -hmm. on the idea. And uh, so I went to this class Mm -hmm. and it was, like ridiculously cheap i think it was ten dollars for six lessons <laughs> weekly lessons okay it's oh, wow. so, <laughs> just ridiculous and uh and i on the first day though they collected the ten dollars and i was you know a poor cheap student and i was like well i took that first class and i didn't really like it all that much I liked it, I liked the people, but I wasn't like <laughs> that into it. But I paid the 10 bucks, so I had to go back, you know. So you stuck so, with it. Exactly. So I, I bought in and then I kept going. And then I something in me clicked. So obviously, like the, the money part of it, like helped me stay initially. But then I, I, I liked the people who were there. And it was kind of interesting and different. I would never, ever thought that I would be a dancer. I always felt like pretty awkward in any kind of dance situation and still pretty much do whenever it's not tango related. Yeah, But (laughs) uh, in that case, like something clicked in me there. Um, So, and I think that comes from my uh, childhood desires and dreams to be a musician. So when I was a kid, like yeah. a middle school, high school, my my dream was to uh, be either a violinist or a conductor. And oh, wow. I think that I tango was the closest me, but... thing. Yeah, the closest thing I actually found to expressing because if you really think about it, playing violin or conducting is really moving to the music in a very particular and specific way. Mm-hmm. And so, something about me really resonated with that. So when I, I think that in retrospect is what really resonated, and I I just kept going with it and I I remember there was this moment at the um, there's a beautiful space at the University of Michigan campus that we have a lot of events. and it was we had a, a little festival thing and there was a teacher from denver whose name was tom sturmitz which you guys know him i think Mm -hmm. um he came Mm -hmm. and taught and this was like in 2002 or three i think three i think and uh he he was teaching some rock step combination and like for the first time that was probably six months into my dancing for the first time i felt like oh my god this is it this is like it's working And like my body is moving to the music in a very precise way and it's like I felt that resonance. So I think that's where it all started. And then it built from there. But it took a while, you know. Some people say they fall in love with tango at first sight. That was definitely not me. Hmm. It's interesting you say that about dance in general because...
2: But then you, like, got into teaching and...
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the embarrassing part. You know, I I was teaching within six months of dancing, even less, I think like three months of dancing, I was already teaching. Oh, but was that more to get things going in the community? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And Like someone, uh, my first teacher, Yelena Sinelnikova. I mean, she sort of asked me to, to do it and um, it just started from there. Um, but I didn't know anything, you know? I've probably screwed up so many students along the way, it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> Well,
2: I I think a lot of
3: teachers have had their ups and downs with
1: learning how to teach, and we have to learn
3: um, as we go when it comes to teaching tango. Yeah, I I agree with you, and and it it is because it's a very, yeah, it's an oral process, like tango is an oral history at least the strongest oral history that I've been part of. And, you know, you, you learn by doing and teaching and, um, you know, I think if you do it in good faith, then you, you serve. I, I've always been a teacher in some regards. Like I used to teach violin. I used to, you know, now I teach psychology, like I've always have that sort of spirit of teaching in me. But, uh, you know, I guess when I look back now, I, that I could have been more humble <laughs> in my approach back then. When I started teaching,
2: at, at the very um, start.
3: Robin
1: told me, he's like, just do what they do in Ann Arbor. <laughs> just teach everything you know except what you're learning right now. <laughs> he's like, so if you know how to walk and do ochos and do the ocho cortado, just teach how to walk and do ochos.
3: Well, to be—I mean, to be f- honest, like all I did in my first year to year and a half of tango was uh, forward walking, uh, rock step, ocho cortado. That was not circular, by the way, a linear ocho mm-hmm, cortado. Linear. Uh, and uh, and that's it. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> and I think that Robin actually came, and I remember we were in uh, Ramu had an apartment which had a basement and he came, Robin came for some weekend or something and we were in Ramu's basement learning how to turn. And this is like revolutionary, like the turn <laughs> to the left. <laughs> and this is like oh well my God, into awesome. my second year of tango. So <laughs> we moved at a very slow pace. So even though, you know, what I was teaching it was extremely basic.
1: I mean, we had the same, I don't know, Chico, we had a similar starting point, at least until we went started going to Buenos Aires, right?
2: Well, we, I think, a little different because we worked with Robin and Caleb and Ting and Caleb and Ting. like, yeah, well,
1: but
2: we got I never to learned any, I don't
1: remember learning fast. much from them. It was so conceptual at that time. Robin, I could, it's Robin true. was tangible. It's like, rockstep us walk oh yeah we're getting that possibly every, we possibly
2: every, learned ganchos within the first year with robin because he just he was in a phase of ganchos. Awesome. was he not or was it I, Baleos, like he had the phase there
3: was the volcata's phase too oh. can't forget that <laughs> uh i i oh learned God, so much yes. from
0: yes. from him
3: and so much from other American teachers, too, I have to say. Like, there, there was that period in the mid-2000s where American teachers were sort of yes. traveling around. And mm-hmm. we brought a lot of them through Ann Arbor. And, man, I learned a lot from from them, maybe because of their teaching style and the sort of clarity mm-hmm. with which they uh, kind of shared the movement, down, like so how yeah. to do the movement. the did, breakdown. They did which, teach very you know, clearly.
1: Yeah. We're going yeah. back to your and point know, about... Um, not necessarily thinking you were a great teacher to begin with. Um, I've studied with some of the same teachers for 15, 16 years now, and I've seen them evolve as teachers, and we have too. So I think everybody started off learning how to teach, and what's important is that they all worked on that craft as well as their craft of dancing.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think it's really the only way. Um, but I do think that the tools that students have now to learn tango are are better. you know. <laughs> and I think that's a good thing for, for tango Absolutely. in general.
2: Yeah. Definitely. But I totally agree, Abik, and this has come up various times in this show, that we did have an amazing selection of teachers in the US that traveled a lot. And I, I would say Ann Arbor was one of the festivals at which I learned a lot. I, I think we've been to it like four times.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, you guys. Uh, were, the there were so many years
2: people. of our dancing.
1: Well, our first festival was my first festival
3: was Ann Arbor. Was that the one where Brigitte was Mine there? Too. Yep. January. I re- I remember still. Yeah, like,
2: and Tom, She Tom, was. Tomasa as well.
3: Tomasa, yeah, yeah. But Alex I remember Brigida was there with Elizabeth Sadowski too, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh! Wow. But I remember uh, Brigida teaching. I think they were Kolgadas, and that's something that you know <laughs> was like pretty difficult for me. I probably still difficult for me. <laughs> I don't do them very often. But uh, I remember she was demonstrating something, and then she asked you to demonstrate with her. And I was like, oh, that bastard, how can you do it? <laughs> did I fuck it up? <laughs> no, you look great from what I remember.
1: I don't know why. <laughs> everybody talks about my days. Like James James calls in occasionally, well, more than occasionally. And he would – well, actually, this wasn't on the, this show. This was on the class thing we did with him. Anywho, it's like, oh, you know, when you, when you were starting out, you were so, like, musical. Like, not that I'm not anymore. But anyway, the way <laughs> I see it, though, is like – People's memory of me as a, as a newer dancer, I, I guess I still dance that way. But to me, I feel like it's still so far to go. And I don't know if you feel that way, especially as we oh, yeah. continue down this path. Like my, how do I say this? My ability has finally caught up with my ego. <laughs> and now my ego is way down. And my ability is kind of like plateaued and my expectation of myself is sort of like, I, I, I don't know, everything sort of flipped since I was a beginner in my early 20s to now being almost 40 and being doing this for a long time. <laughs>
3: exactly. Oh, I, I'm with you, man. I, I feel the same way. Like there was there was pretty strong ego before and now that's just, just gone. But at the same time, I think what has been replaced with is really a sense that I love this dance i love the people in the dance and that i'm just going to keep doing it and that yeah. it, it doesn't really i'm not trying to prove anything anymore uh, maybe once in a while but like you know <laughs> for the most <laughs> part uh, yeah. I, i'm less trying to prove myself and more trying to just like enjoy being in that space and i, and I still love learning stuff the learning is just yeah, part of who i am and like when i learn i grow and when i grow i'm happy to be part of the community yeah I hey james do.
4: Hey, how's it going?
3: James, Well, that's a voice I haven't heard in Here. a long time. Avik, I <laughs> miss you,
4: man. I miss you so much. It's been too long. This may be the longest time I haven't seen you since we first met, that's possibly.
3: Probably true. That's probably true. Perhaps. I think my last memory of you, James, is uh, where was I? I was in Seattle, I think, and you came to pick me up to go to some something or other I can't remember but all I remember is like your car was like out there on the street and I was walking up to it and you were like doing some tango drills next to your car on the pavement <laughs> and it, was like, <laughs> it was intense I was like oh man am I sure I want to get into this car
1: well Avi, <laughs> did you hear the story about how James picked me up from the airport when I went to visit him no he didn't have a car and he made me do four notos all the way back to his plate.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he was like, man, I've seen Pivot. I've got work to do. Then I had to paint a fucking fence. It was so weird.
3: <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I want to watch that Cobra Kai oh thing on Netflix. God. It's good. It's
4: yeah, good. I saw it. I've seen it. Chris and I watched it. It's pretty good. Giving me a lot of ideas for teaching. You
1: know. Actually, James, <laughs> okay. I think the first time I met James as a teacher was when he taught in Ann Arbor at the Grange with Shory. and oh, No way. Wow. Were you a part? So Ann Arbor is famous for having a festival every other week, and I'm curious <laughs> <laughs> whose idea was it, and uh, were you a part of the festivals in the early days? Like, I, I feel like I heard yeah. different stories oh, yeah. about – how they delegated or how you guys broke up who organized when and, and all that sort of stuff so I was just curious because they yeah. were some of the some of my favorite festivals even in spite of the fact that they were in freaking January sometimes <laughs> when I went
2: oh my god um, we went yeah. three times in January
1: yep so what's yeah, the story I, about the festivals
3: I think the the management of the festivals evolved over time and mm-hmm. so generally speaking different people uh, organized Different events. For a while, it was a smaller set of people in the early years. I think probably the years that you were going it was a smaller set of people, and then like probably into 2009 and beyond. Then it, it sort of spread out to a wider set of people, newer students who are coming into the Tango Club. Um, uh, so, so it was actually a, a very much a joint effort, and I don't think it could have sustained itself if one person did it for that long um right unfortunately like i think about a year before like a year or two ago things really started fizzling out and so we're trying to get that energy and enthusiasm back in the club um so that that kind of thing can happen again but yeah for a while we were doing a festival in september in january and in may so three a year well i don't know
1: if you're aware but um (laughs) Something called COVID hit last spring and it kind of made
3: everything. Yeah. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well yeah, it actually stopped before that. But yeah. Uh, so anyway, so- I think we all will have to do some rebuilding. <laughs>
0: Sorry.
1: No. Um wow, did- bridge. No,
2: Was that a bridge?
1: That was a bridge. (laughs) That was my, that was my, the bridge of my day (laughs) sounds like that. Yeah. No, I, I was listening through my phone because I'm curious (laughs) to see how it sounds. But anyway, and then I unplugged my phone for some reason because I wanted to do something. And then I forgot because my phone went crazy. So I'm now I'm back to where I started with just making obnoxious sounds. James,
4: um, nice I muted myself because I know without Marcelo here, I'm gonna get blamed.
1: Did you know that there's a <laughs> so always Podbean is updating their um software, and uh, I can mute you guys now from here. Oh. I don't even have to hang up on you anymore. I can just mute. You. Nice. It pretty sweet. Oh, I think I was checking. Anyway, Avik, I wanted to ask you a question um, about you've danced on the West Coast. You've danced. You're from the midwest and you've danced on the east coast and i'm curious what your experience and like what your feeling is on the vibe from those three different areas
3: well i think i differentiated more when i was like well when i was a little bit younger in tango um mm-hmm. uh nowadays like it, it's, it's harder for me to, to make that differentiation just because I feel like I'm so weird in my own dancing that doesn't matter how different the, the sort of communities are. But um, mm-hmm. let's see, what do I think is different? I think that on the West Coast, what I remember, so this is, this might be a bit of a, like a, a stereotype, but what I remember is that the embrace feeling quite different on the West Coast um, when I was used to doing like a super, super close embrace kind of uh, like pressure against the bodies kind of embrace, and that mm-hmm. that was harder to find on the West Coast versus the East Coast. And of course, Ann Arbor had its own little pod of, of mm-hmm. the way we danced uh, with mm-hmm. each other. And so that something so that was part of it um I felt like um the the west coast was super creative like I remember my first Portland festival and going and seeing like people like Homer and James and Alex and all the ways that they they danced was so so creative and different and unusual and from my eyes anyway from you know my eyes that had only seen how to walk forward and do a rock step. and, a, and notice, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so yeah, those were some of the differences I noticed, but mm-hmm. now things, things are, are both more homogeneous and more heterogeneous too, because there are a lot more schools, uh, a lot more different ways that people are training. I think the, the homogeneity probably comes a bit from the, the sort of championship style of tango that's quite popular now. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, I, I always value diversity. So uh, sometimes <laughs> when we talk about differences between communities, it's like we're trying to say that one is better than the other and I, I don't see it that way at all.
1: Well, you know, I want to talk about two points. The last one I you agree. just made, when I said that, when I asked that question Maybe eight or nine years ago, I would have asked it, meaning that, like, which community is better. But honestly, now I just I'm curious what your take is on, because you've experienced so many. Um, yeah. And then I'm the more other like point, like a
4: ranking, like a. Ranking. And then the <laughs>
1: other point was about the the homogeneous What do you say the word?
3: Homogeneous. Homogeneous. <laughs> like, homogeneous.
1: I never quite homogeneous? know. Homogeneous. Yeah, yeah, that. that's it. Um, we've talked about this a lot in the show, which is I'm surprised is why I can't say the word because. We're talking about this a lot. Um, those of us who've been dancing for, for over 10, 15 years have noticed the same kind of trend that things are moving in this direction where whether it's whether it's inspired by, you know, this huge, you know, Gustavo and Giselle influence over the last 15, 20 years, or it's the stage thing now, the salon thing, or, or whatever, um, but there were a lot more unique styles because a lot more people were, were, were frankly winging it yeah Yeah, a long time ago and homogeneity Ah, thank you joanne i'll i'll go back to first grade and learn how to 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 say words that are longer than four letters but yeah i um because my take on on scenes back in the day was like the west coast was much more liberal about how they danced and they didn't really dance close from what i remember although but Again, I I don't think I've been out there as much as you have, and that's why I wanted to ask you that question. To me, the East Coast was always trying to fit an image of what they thought tango should be, in certain ways. Like, I'm and I'm going back to my memories of moving here to New York, and seeing like you know if you don't wear a suit and if you don't you know, there was a, a lot of culture. And then the Midwest was sort of what I think tango sort of embodies. It was just like, here we are.
3: I just got off work. I'm gonna dance tango. You know what it is? It's it's, it's because in the Midwest we dance Timmy Tango. Oh God!
1: I'm not going down that road. I love
3: Timmy.
1: I love Timmy No, for no many I, I do too.
3: Um, Timmy's amazing. He's awesome.
1: But but you're you know what you're right though he does represent that that example of and and you know and I think I hope I do and I hope. Cause I learned a lot from Robin. I think Robin does like he, Robin used to call it the cafeteria lady dance. Like, you know, <laughs> this is a dance for everybody. The cafeteria lady, the milkman, the shoe shiner. It's not just um, the, uh, the fancy snooty, whatever. But my early days, my early recollections of tango were, between the coast was sort of like that. It was like, East coast was all trying to look like they're on stage. West coast was a bunch of hippies. And the Midwest was just kind of like people that just kind of got off work, didn't really know what their bodies were doing, but they just had a nice time together. Um, And I also, like I mentioned earlier, like the evolution of teaching even in smaller communities, like now I go to Nebraska or I go to small communities and the teachers are so much more experienced that their basic student level is far higher than what it was 10 years ago, you know? And that's
3: amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, go, James. Oh, I? okay. I thought you were going to say something. No, no, I'm
4: ready. No, I'm, I'm ready.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, I, well, I said this before, but I think from my perspective, it's mostly pelvic tilt. <laughs> the style?
0: Difference, uh,
4: difference between the East and West Coast, yeah. The... The West Coast is sort of rotated under a little bit more, like hips sort of more. You know, like you got some six shooters or something, and you're a, you're gonna you're like in an old Western shootout or something. Hmm. You know, like those kind of hips, like Chicho. Chicho has his hips like that, and uh, Javier Rodriguez would be the the model for the East Coast and the pelvis rotated oh, okay. back a little bit more. And But that's not for me true until about the early 2000s, uh, in, starting like in the mid 90s. Uh, from what I recall, there wasn't really a lot of stylis- stylistic differentiation yet. Uh, neither Nuevo nor Milanguero had really uh, taken hold. Uh, everyone yeah. was doing some variation of the same sort of... I
1: mean, at that point, stuff. everybody's just tadpoles. So you all are just <laughs> learning how to swim yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Well,
4: there, well, there's <laughs> these like extraordinary dancers who've been dancing for 40 mm-hmm. years and professionally.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And then
4: there's like all of us beginners, you know, who've been dancing <laughs> 10 years or less. Or, or yeah, the
1: gap is like now. so wide.
4: Yeah, because of the dormancy, right? Right, so, yeah. So, so then there wasn't any differentiation but then by the early 2000s that that seemed to be uh, a strong differentiation between the coasts and and the Midwest you know uh, you know really just represented whoever went there and taught a lot whether it was uh, Daniel Trenner or Tom Sturmitz or you know whoever whoever should was I be offended Susana James
3: I. should I be offended? offended <laughs> are Why? we are we just rubber stamps for our teachers? <laughs> Well, I mean,
4: you're. I, I think of you as a, a more of a, a Midwest dancer, but you have an, a very very uh, East Coast style to me. Oh, and I mean that in very in very complimentary. Oh way. no,
3: I'm just I'm just pulling your chain. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> it's hard to tell on the phone, right?
4: <laughs> I I need expressions. I'm, I'm just a physical <laughs> and visual. Well, there's also person.
1: the fact that, like, because we've taught. I mean, all of us have taught in. in all sorts of different sized cities and you know and when chico and i go to like a smaller town there the reception is generally we're you know we're happy you know they luckily they like us and they want us to come back and they and they say you know this is how we're going to dance for the next six months because we're not going to have anybody else here yeah and so that's sort of why that you leave that kind of imprint in a smaller community if you're Going to the Midwest versus if you're going to LA or New York, where you have 15 couples come a month and they're all teaching different styles, you know, slightly varying styles,
3: in, or Montreal. Hello, oh. girl. Hey. Hey. I think that really uh, worked to our advantage, actually. I agree. In, yeah, in, I uh, so in Ann Arbor, because consistent. we so. sort of stayed in our little bubble and didn't mm-hmm. learn anything beyond what our teachers taught us. And like we had, you know, a festival a teacher came and then we practiced that for like four to six months until the next festival. And that was it. Like the teachers were really, the local teachers, myself included, were sort of facilitating the process of learning from the teachers who were coming from out of town.
1: Last fall, we were getting together with a musician here in New York and we were dancing to his music. And one of the conversations we had, and like Brigitte came and Rebecca and Valeria and Chico and I and, and, you know, Tioma popped in and different leaders. We were talking about like, do we have a New York t- tango style? Um, we had this conversation for a while, and but I remember it, Ann Arbor was famous for their style. Like you could peg an Ann Arbor da- dancer if you were at a festival. People would be like, "That guy's from Ann Arbor," "That girl's from Ann Arbor." And It wasn't <laughs> just because you were Indian. <laughs> I knew you say that.
5: No, but they were famous for their embrace. Yeah, but they, you remember the Ann Arbor embrace?
0: Uh huh. <laughs> yes, Carol.
1: Yeah, hi, yeah. Carol. Hi,
5: hey, Carol. Hey, how are you?
1: Pretty good. Pretty Chico good. wants pretty to say good. hi, but her good. signal's not very well right now.
5: I know. I keep seeing her coming in, and it keeps saying she's there. She's there, but uh, mm-hmm. Ch- Chocolata has joined. <laughs> yeah. How is everybody?
0: Oh, spirit. Spirits,
4: spirits, pretty up in this country, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Something seems to have changed
1: in the whole what's, the whole mood. What's your take on that, James? Do you think we're going to – I have to ask, like, as if we haven't had the election, do you think we're going to win this yet? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm the most cynical, pessimistic person. I, I, you know, really, like, people have to really want to, like, get super depressed about things to ask me these kinds of questions. But uh, I'm really I, – I, I feel like, like, uh, yeah – I mean, I don't know, like like uh, Biden. The uh, I've got the glasses, the uh, the aviators. I've been wearing (laughs) them around anyway, uh, and I've got my long hair now and my big beard, so I look extra, you know, um, uh, with the aviators. But I think, uh, you know, uh, I'm saying, well, there's, you know, there's no, the U.S. government has no problem. You know, taking care of trespassers <laughs> in the White House. That was kind of reassuring, you know? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I haven't really given Biden any, you know, a, a, a very much thought at all. I felt like it's uh, another another tragic election as far we'll as we- you know, there's 320 million people, and these, this is the best we can do. But I,
1: I just want to say that you know. what I think is funny is like, we've had this guy has gotten the most. Uh, votes ever in the history of this country, right, right, and and it's not so basically seventy five million plus people hate Donald Trump so much <laughs> they're gonna vote for Joe Biden. I mean that's that's oh, really man. what happened because oh, yeah. this is the third time this guy has tried to run yeah. or has run, and you know yeah. he hasn't made it very far in the past. And I, I have nothing against Joe Biden; he wasn't my ideal candidate, but um, now I'm just more concerned about all the bullshit that's happening now.
4: Stacey Abrams is my president, as far as I'm concerned. Oh
5: yeah,
0: I was a
1: Warren guy yeah. myself. I really like Elizabeth <laughs> oh, Warren. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For but sure.
5: did you guys hear what Pompeo said?
1: Yeah. Yeah. does not that That's kind weird. of
5: thing kind of scare you guys?
1: Yeah, terrified. Uh,
4: yeah, yeah, totally. I
1: was very it's very stressed it's out totally. today. That's why I was just curious because we already asked, we already chatted earlier, but I didn't hear what James had to say. Um, no,
4: but I, I think I, I you know, hopefully you know, we, we get through these shenanigans. I've never I've never ceased to be shocked by this administration and, yeah, and, and sure. just like okay. the the amazing holes in our entire system mm-hmm. that, that have been uh, made so obvious uh, in the last four years. But, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, that as long as things go, as I, I hope they will uh, in the next couple of months. Um, You know, we're going to see a much more rational uh, pandemic response. We're going to see a much more humane uh, uh, programs and and systems. We're going to see, you know, a lot of essential programs like the EPA, you know, uh, with people working for them again (laughs) who believe in them. You know, so there's a lot of there's, you know, even though I'm I'm a total uh, Biden hater, I, I, I there's so many things I'm grateful for. Uh, Mm -hmm. that I I hope are are coming, you know, uh, barring any shenanigans. And I said, I'm extremely pessimistic and cynical, so I'm I'm not a very feel-good person to talk to about any of this stuff. But that's my take on it.
1: Well, um, April has a question, and that is for Avik. Do you still play the bundle? No. No?
3: Uh, I still have it. I actually see it almost every day. <laughs> I, I, I visit it every day, but I never touch it. Um, I, I played for a while, and it was a really great experience for me to have uh, put in that effort to try to learn this instrument. I learned a lot about music, and I got to play in this uh, tango trio that toured around the States. Um, we played lots of places and taught musicality along with the bandoneon all of it was great but uh I realized at some point that in order to be uh making the kind of music that I wanted to hear and that I wanted to dance to I would be having to put in way more time than I could so I decided to just say you know this is I'll leave that there and I'll enjoy dancing and uh we'll see it's still there
1: who knows that's one of those instruments that it takes seven to eight hours a day for years before you're even, you know, halfway decent. I mean, I think if you want to be like a casual musician, you just got to pick up the triangle or the cowbell and then it doesn't (laughs) really take.
3: I did love like the, the feeling of, of uh, playing that instrument and, and like the initial learning, like once you have a few basic things under your fingers, it feels really good. But then you realize like, Oh my God, this, this is the, a mad instrument that requires just a whole lifetime of dedication. I'd watch these people play like Ruben Juarez. I love that guy. Like watching him play, it just like flows me away. And I'm like, I want to just listen to people like that. I don't want to, I don't wanna, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get there.
1: So Chico wanted to talk about the differences. Oh yeah. So Avik's a DJ, very well known DJ around the United States in case you didn't know. Um, and she wanted to know, uh, how was it to DJ in various parts of the country? And, um, I'm curious, I have other questions about your DJing to be honest. Um, I remember your, your sound as being, to me, it's, it was a lot of like vocals. It was like early forties vocalists kind of music, like the Mare, de Agustino Vargas, um,
3: Is that, did you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, if I have a style or something. I mean, that like everything else has evolved and I think continues to evolve because I do still put in a lot of effort and listening to the music and discovering what I like. And I think where I fall right now is in a space of trying to play things that people are familiar with in whatever community that I'm in. And I try to gauge what that is in different communities if I can, that's a hard thing to do. But uh, are you the type of DJ
1: that pretends he can tell what people like by watching the dance floor or or actually goes and talks to people and asks them
6: questions? Well, (laughs) I,
3: (laughs) yeah, definitely like asking is much clearer. Um, But, you know, I wouldn't say that intuition doesn't play a role. Like you can, Mm. it's not necessarily by watching them dance. It's just more like sensing the energy in the room. Like are people excited after atanda or are they kind of feeling like "Eh." Mm -hmm. and and i think one can develop a sense for that i i really do think i use my intuition a lot in djing and whenever i hear sort of formulaic ways of teaching people how to dj i i think it's helpful but i also think that there's something that you just have to learn by doing yeah and and uh but but then like so so coming back to what i was saying is i think you have to balance the familiar because that's where leaders will make the choice to dance because they feel confident that they can understand this music and have a good experience and followers will be willing to dance with that leader because they also feel confident that it's doable versus more challenging music, which I also like to play. um, But I I do it depending on how comfortable people seem with, with that. Uh, There's a balancing act there because how much do you balance the familiar with the new, um, you know, that's that's a question I'm sort of always playing with. And so I think what you remember of my music, um, I do like the thing the orchestras you just mentioned. But at the same time, I I like a lot of like more romantic later period stuff. Um, and I think in some uh, communities that's been sort of a hard thing for them to hear when I play some of the let's say later Troilo or something like that. Um, because mm-hmm. it's I just harder saying. to dance to. Yeah. Have you
1: ever experienced just like, or if, and I'm, I'm guessing you have, so maybe I should just rephrase the question. What do you feel like when you know you totally bombed? <laughs> 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 like you've been um, hired at a festival and they're like, yeah, Aviv's going to DJ for us tonight. And you're like, yeah. And then
3: well, at the end of the night, you're like, oh my God. <laughs> that didn't go well. Um, I, if I'm being really honest, I pretty much think I bombed all the time. Aww. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, not, not in a negative way. It's like, it's just the way I think. It's like, I'm always trying to be judging like what, what's working and what's not working. And as a human being, we tend to focus on the, the negatives. And so yeah. I'm like always trying, trying to fix that. But objectively, you know, people invite me back. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. say nice things. And so... I I feel good about that, but I'm always like trying to make it better. That's my. I mean, Carol knows you. You guys probably know too. Like, you know, I'm a little stressed when I have to DJ. (laughs) Uh, I think I've invited you. Responsibility.
1: Well, I I, I'm the same way. Um, I think we've asked you to DJ on several occasions, and and sometimes you're just like, no, I don't want. I'd rather just come and have fun. (laughs) And I'm the same. Like, I'll DJ. Like, I'll DJ. I love DJing locally because I know what the community loves in New York. Exactly. And I, and even if any, or at least I know that they trust me, like they know me and they're like, Oh, Adam's here, whatever. But I DJing on the road, a, it pays like shit. So I don't even bother. And B, I don't want to get paid like shit and then be criticized all night. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I pay me 150 bucks and I got a hotel room and you're going to bitch all night. Like, and also I can't know what you're going to like in Florida or in, texas or you know wherever so i just i tend not to
3: even sign up for that kind of thing um yeah yeah well like i've been lucky that i've been asked to come back to a lot of places like carol's invited me for by long ago for many years and uh you guys have had me in new york and like you know i dj a few of the things on the marathon circuit and so i'm i start to get to know what people the kind of music that people like i think and um and that, that helps, you know, alleviate that concern that I have. Well, with
1: I partner, want, I with, when I hire a DJ, I don't want to like the music they play. I want to know that they know what they're doing.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, actually, I had a really nice comment from an organizer um, last year who basically, I think it was like first time I really heard it said completely like this, where he said, you know, like you've been DJing for like 18 years and, You know how this works. I can trust you. I don't have to worry about anything. Like, that's what I'm paying you for. I was like, absolutely. absolutely. That's nice to hear. Yeah. If
1: I wanted people, it's like, if I hire a DJ and I'm just concerned that they're not playing the music that I want to play, why the fuck did I hire them? (laughs) 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 You know?
4: Avik, I'm wondering because if I were DJing a, a local dance here and you happen to be in town, and we're there. I would definitely play Troilo Marino. I would play maybe DeSarlie Florio. I don't know. I and I don't even know if you like that stuff so much as I, I that like stuff. Yeah. I <laughs> like watching you dance to that stuff in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So as a DJ, I would play more of that uh, for you. You know, uh, uh, with Carol, I might play more Pugliese. I might play more Tantour-y. I Again, I don't know if she that, yeah, that's her preferences, but. Yes. And I like watching her dance to those. So I mean as a DJ, what 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 would you play differently for me or for Carol oh. or for Adam and Chico? <laughs> I mean, if, if you if you or would you not? or is that not I, something? I
1: missed you're... the last no, part. James. Sure. I got cut out. Can you repeat just the last part?
4: Well, I'm wondering what Avik would would play differently, or if he would for you and Chico, for me, before for Carol, Avik, like, or for others. Hold other on, before people.
1: Avik's answers, you never mentioned what you played for me or Chico, James. You said Avik and Kara what you played. Well, what about what about me and what about Chico? I'm just curious. Yeah, you and Chico. No, what would you play? Yeah. Oh, Before what would I play? Answers. for for yeah. you guys! And actually, I want to I want to oh, I want to for... answer this for you guys too. <laughs> but I want to hear what you say, and then I want to hear what Avik, and then Carol have to say too. This is a great. Oh question. no,
4: for you, I, no, I would like for uh, Chico. I I might play Biagi. Mm-hmm. Um, I like her syncopations and her rhythm and and all of that. I might play for you, uh, Troilo. You know, oh, wow. That's great.
1: That's an know, honor. Like wallow,
4: <laughs> like wallowing in depression and addiction and, just, you know, the struggle, the struggle. You know. oh, so, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: That's very yeah, insightful. So, yeah.
4: <laughs> and if, and you know, and I would try it out maybe it, I would, I would fail and it would bomb. And you got, those would be the only time you guys wouldn't dance all night, but, you know, and then I, I would sort of adapt that and maybe even ask you personally, you know, hey, what are you into these days? (laughs) But yeah, that's what what my instincts would be. So I don't know, Avik, what do you think? Do you think about that kind of stuff?
3: I I do. Um, And like Adam was saying before, often it's because I've heard people say things in conversation or like my friends who I've seen in different places. Like I just know what they like. Like for you, James, like I actually haven't seen you in so long that I actually don't know what you're into these years. But my image of you is one that, you know, revolves more in the Pugliese sort of landscape of, of music. Um, and, but, but at the same time, I also know that you, like most accomplished dancers, enjoy a broad range of things. So part of it has to do with timing. Like, I'm not gonna play that stuff early in the evening for you because that doesn't, you wouldn't like that early maybe. You probably want it later, and so like could be catastrophic. To... Actually, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I think part of it is like, how do you ramp it up to to that kind of thing? Because even though I love like the the very lyrical late uh, late Disarles, late Troilos, late Pulises, I love that stuff. But could you a whole night of that? Even I might get annoyed by it. And I I really do love it. Like I love it from a dancing perspective. I love it from a like, as a as a lover of classical music, I love it that way. So I, I really can't get enough of it. But for a milonga, I think there needs to be a little bit of ramping up and
1: down. Well, you bring up an interesting... I want to interject really quick. There's a lot of music that is from that era that doesn't have rhythmic melody. So it gets to be a very mundane state after a while. The melody is just melodic. And, and if you just play that for so long, if you just play any one style for so long, it's just going to get. Exactly. That's why I think it's really important. But there, to...
5: are some, there are some DJs who are like, you. Uh, I mean, all good DJs play a variety of stuff, but you can still like, we all have our. Or maybe we don't, but, you know, I have preferences of which DJs I like because they will lean a little more one way or a little more the other. And I I know for like, Avik mentioned Bailongo, and what we've always tried to do for that is to hire kind of very diverse because the people are coming from all over and the, the tastes are very different. So you might have one night that like Avik plays and you have a ton of people saying how much they liked it and there's people who are less keen and the next night some other guy who, you know, it'll be the opposite turn. I, I don't think you can... Oh, no,
3: I, I absolutely agree, Carol, all. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a smart approach as an organizer to to have that diversity. Yeah. That's the thing, we're, we're like getting into kind of a, you know, if the community keeps growing, there's just going to be a lot of different people with a lot of different tastes, and you have to kind of create events and circumstances where people can enjoy what they know. But also, I think really important that they have an opportunity to try out something that they may not. And well, I, I think,
5: think it's also a generational thing, though, too. Like, you, you often the ones who've been dancing longer will lead, lean a little bit to stuff that's a little more, familiar. well, I was going to say people who've been dancing longer will lean to stuff will be will be interested in hearing stuff that's maybe a slightly a little more Uh, challenging or experimental but there's this whole group of really really kind of up-and-coming dancers who if you don't play something with a really strong beat they
1: they don't think but carol i want to say like i I I try to dj to the best dancers not always but like i think it's important to dj to the best dancers or to the the teachers, like, the ones who set the example, because if you only play Rodriguez all night because you think, like, that's going to make everybody happy. like My point is going back to, like, you can't make everybody happy, but you want to teach to the bar, like, because they're the ones who are going to walk around the room and tell you, say, like, if, if, like, the best dancers in the room think that Adams or Avik or James or Carol is a great DJ, everybody else doesn't know any better. But if those guys don't think that, then, then there's no, like, there's no guidance anymore. It's like somebody has to be willing to throw in, like, Troilo Ruiz or Marino or, or something a little bit more if the room is, if there's the correct, my, get out of their chair. Oops, I
5: lost,
1: sorry, I lost you. It, oh, did everybody lose me? Just parts uh-huh. of it. Yeah. Just cut
0: out a little bit.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll try again briefly. I'll make it quicker. My because now that I have my thoughts, my point is is like, I try to not always that I try to DJ for the most influential dancers in the room, because they're going to set the example that I feel the community wants to go towards. So if I can get the older milongueros and milongueras to get up and dance to stuff, then I know that the other people are going to respect the fact that they're dancing. And then, so I don't always just play Rodriguez or Donato or something all night because I know more people are going to dance to it. Sometimes you want to, because those people aren't necessarily going to get up for that shit. But if you play something like you were saying that that's going to attract a different level crowd, uh, well, that crowd is going to be more open to it, I should say. What you were saying, Karin. sorry.
3: True. I was just going to say, Carol, that there are, of course, like people with more experience are more likely to try something new. But there is also a part of that group of people who also really just stick to what they what they know and they like. And they're less open
5: minded.
3: I think it goes both ways.
5: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's like we're just surround ourselves with people who are similar, I guess, in a way.
3: I got great
1: advice. I think it was from Andres Amarilla once. He said, "If you want, if you want to get the old medium up, play Una Emoción by Tanturi. <laughs> No. <laughs> and all the old Milan girls will get up and dance." And I've never—that's yeah. never blown up, and It's always worked. I play it. I make a tando around that song, and it works every time. <laughs> so I picked. I uh, Avik, did you go yet? About who you would pick for each one of us.
3: Well, I just mentioned James and then I sort of hedged on everyone else. Googly
4: essay, (laughs) for sure, for sure. You nailed it, man.
3: Uh, um, I honestly think that it depends on the timing. But, like, what James was saying about you and having something much more lyrical and new, Adam, I'm speaking about you. Like, I think you've always struck me as someone who wants to explore newer music, both you and Chico and like explore that. So if that could be later lyrical, like Troy Lourdes or whatever, but it could also be like 60s, like CALO, or it could be like some of the newer orchestras that are coming out like uh, in in Buenos Aires now. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my vision is for you at the right Mm time Um, uh, for both of you really. Uh, And uh, I think, yeah, James is right about the the rhythmic qualities that Chico has too. I remember teaching that uh, that syncopation class we did last time I was in New York. Actually, that was that was pretty fun, and I was kind of amazed at how well Chico could nail all the syncopations as a leader and everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to learn how to do this. For her. <laughs> um, oh me and care uh, Chico. No, I was not speaking for Chico. And, oh uh, me. And then, uh, oh, (laughs) and then Carol, um, I I think it's because Carol and I have danced a lot of milongas together that I would probably play that for her. (laughs) Nice. Which milongas? Like a nice Troilo milonga. That's what. Oh yeah. Swirly. Yeah.
5: You know, I have to say that um, I always felt like I couldn't dance milonga. I was super embarrassed and, and terrified. Like, especially, like, um, there was this trend, I don't know if it still really exists, but there was this trend on the West Coast that everybody always danced two tandas together. You know what I mean? Like, not just one tanda and you sit down. Like, everybody almost always says, oh, you want to do the next one? Mm-hmm. I used to pray that there wouldn't be a malonga tanda right up. I think I wasn't really even aware of the pacing of the evening that you could count, you know, your tandas and pretty well hit whether you would do malonga or not, and uh, I used to get teased horribly about how I was never, um, like, Tomas used to always say, oh, you know, you did that whole milonga and cross system. Like, I, those
1: guys used to tease me, like, horribly. <laughs> Tomas is such <laughs> a great support system, isn't he?
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until I started to go to things and dance with uh, Avik and with Felipe that I felt That I actually could dance
3: Milonga. Oh, high praise. Felipe is like, you know, I think he just gets his Milonga so well. Everything, really.
5: No, but you too.
4: Oh, Daniel Trenner said the same thing to me. I must have been 18 or 19. It was at the Turn Vrine in Denver. And I started dancing with him, and it was Milonga. And he said, Oh, you're starting out in cross system. (laughs) <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it, you know. But I did then.
3: <laughs> what does that say about you, James? I
0: don't know.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. Has anyone heard from Daniel Trenner?
1: Did you hear it did you read what
3: Sharon wrote? I just saw that. She danced oh. her first
1: milonga with Avik at her first milonga. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Super. She told me her story about her first tango experience was in Ann Arbor, where she went to school and meeting you guys. She had done salsa a lot and then she ran into tango and um, yeah, she danced with you and you were just super cool about it and like no i i don't think i think like the midwest is a lot more welcoming for tango than new york city can be at that at that point in somebody's (laughs) experience
3: (laughs) well you know sharon uh i did my first bar at her bar class that's my only (laughs) time i ever did bar (laughs) i took a bar (laughs) class with her (laughs) Uh, on a totally random note, she she when she left Ann Arbor, she gave me this uh, this plant that had uh, I think that had belonged to her grandmother or something like really old, and like I just finally threw that out because it had totally disintegrated and fallen apart. <laughs> but it must have been like a hundred years old or something. Wow! Oh, that's funny.
5: Who is Annabelle Troilo there?
1: That's me. I had to run out and uh, step away from my computer console for a moment, so I called into my own show.
5: So you're in there twice?
1: Um, Well, I muted the other microphone. So, yeah. I'm in here twice, baby.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Run up up the score.
1: (laughs) But I'm Ching can I get a bridge for that joke? (laughs) All right, so I'm going to name what I would play for you guys. And this is going back to a long time ago. But for James, it would be Laurens, Because, like, our first performance ever in um, Portland, Oregon, I was really nervous. And James said... You have this way of moving that I really enjoy when I dance myself, where um, you build up and then you release. <laughs> and Lorenz has this way of doing this in the music. Um, kind of like in Vieja Amiga where, let's see. Did I lose music? You guys hear music? you guys hear music no. no 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 hold on yeah this pod bean is still not always great
4: sounds a little like i was hitting on you something <laughs> <The way> you <laughs> described it
1: anyway there's that quality in the music and then um for carol i, I would say started with podesta and you guys are all like, what the fuck? This guy's the worst <laughs> DJ ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: then for, for Avika, it would be Demonic, because that was just it seems like,
0: it's like that. like that.
1: I
4: love Lawrence, man. Come on. Mm-hmm.
3: You could play anything for me, honestly. Like, there's hardly a thing out of, like, well, that's not true. If you played, like, Canaro or something. <laughs> Oh, God. oh, I know why. I had
0: I had the other. I had Lawrence, the, Lawrence,
4: uh, Lawrence, Lawrence. I had this like muted, this mic. Mic. Here,
1: That's great. Hey, Chrissy. Hey, Chrissy. Um. um so. Whoa! 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 What? What? What happened? Well, I already played that song once. I don't want to play it again. I was just giving an example. Of the Lauren style.
4: Oh, okay, okay. I got, I got excited for the song. I'm sorry. You know, I am
1: so had you right. Okay. To be honest, Carol, I just picked the Solly Porter stuff because,
5: because um, you
1: had no I, idea. I, we've right? only danced like Walt.
5: <laughs> Good
1: enough. Good enough. But then, but then Avik said Milonga, and I was like, well, if I go waltz, and it's just being like, okay, James did a tango, then he said a Milonga, and then of course I go waltz, so that's lame.
5: <laughs> <laughs> but I was gonna say allowance for you. For
1: me, maybe.
7: You yeah. know, it's funny. Yeah.
1: No? Lowrance is like, I would never. I when I DJ, I never play Lowrance, but I enjoy dancing it very much. But he's not like high on my list in the in the in the importance of tango history. He's probably towards the bottom. Is anybody there? Or am I just talking to somebody's dirty sock? <laughs> <laughs> hey. You're the captain I feel of the like somebody just stuck yeah, the microphone in their it. shoe and they're just, like, fucking around with their foot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, goodness. Oh, man. Oh. I, thought Laura, I thought Lawrence was really, really good at fitting in the Dakarian format. You guys know what I mean, but if anyone doesn't, it's, uh, uh, like... Uh, uh, starting with uh, uh, De Caro and extending all the way through Pugliese and Troilo and uh, Piazzolla, these sort of uh, more evolutionary, uh, experimental, uh, and I think, in my opinion, more sophisticated uh, musicians Mm -hmm. uh, dating back to the 1910s. And they were kind of this this little clique that went all the way through the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, And beyond, I mean, uh, Piazzolla and and Pugliese were still uh, playing in the '80s, but uh, I I think Lawrence was uh, one of the best at kind of compressing, uh, you know, all of that creativity, all of those crazy bananon flurries, uh, and all of that into a almost darienzo like rhythmic structure. You know, in the uh, late '30s and early '40s. Uh, that that uh, seemed really impressive to me, you know, with a lot of consistency of of, of, of the beat, you know, for people who are who are, are maybe not as sophisticated of dancers yet, you know, mm-hmm. and then lots of complexity and intricacy and, and layering and uh, little surprises, uh, uh, you know, for for people who are. Uh, more experienced you know and and to me that's that's one of the special things about Lawrence from that period that's a
3: good way that's a really good way to put it I think of all all the of all the orchestras I wished that I had more recordings of Lawrence because it always seemed a little um sparse when I'm making tandas of his just because like you know there's a very small set and it's all great but you can't uh there's got to be more out there, but they were probably lost think, in that. I mean, there might have been, but they're not now. anymore. Yeah. yeah. No,
4: I anymore. think they were in the fire, uh, along with a bunch of Troy Lowe and other stuff. It's a great tragedy. It's amazing how so much I we've lost. Totally
1: I, I mean, there were 40,000 yeah. to 50,000 tango orchestras at one point, and we and we know about like 400 of them, maybe. Maybe not even, right? Probably less than 40.
5: Did you say fifty thousand orchestras? From what
1: I've heard, there were a, a phenomenal amount of orchestras back in the day. Wow, I didn't know that. Or maybe it was four thousand, but I think it was—I think it was a lot more.
3: <laughs> yeah, I believe four thousand. That's a little bit more believable, but. Uh... I'd have to go You know, I think I think we're talking about how there are different styles and stuff in the in the dance itself, East Coast, West Coast and obviously there are da- different styles in the music too. but I often think about how you know tango is this art form that is constantly evolving. And I, I think that whenever I hear people talk kind of aggrandizing how things were, I think we have to always like keep in mind that this is an art form and art forms always evolve sometimes they evolve in ways that aren't like ways that we like like if you think about classical music evolving into like modern music modern mm. classical music like Schoenberg or whatever like people didn't like listening to that stuff but then it always comes around and and so I think there's a lot of experimentation that sort of has to happen and something stick and something And still, Carol,
1: so I kind of always see I just myself. checked my notes. There were four to five hundred orchestras in before. And we've only wow. have about forty to fifty recording uh forty to fifty orchestras recorded. I was way off on that number.
6: No, but it's well, still like a hope I don't ever run like for like president.
1: A...
5: <laughs> <laughs> but it's still ten times more.
1: Yeah. because it costs so much money. Have you guys been listening to Tango recently? Yeah,
3: Yeah. not that much. I've been
1: following up with these classes that I took in June and July and uh, with Horacio online and I have not been listening at all really since a little bit during those classes and something I'm really getting a keen ear for that I never noticed is like I can tell the, I might, may, maybe I'm just being crazy. I can feel like I can hear the musicians moving around in the room based on the sound of their instrument and the sound of like the, the singer will like start singing and, and then it'll come back and start. And, do. and I feel like I used to just ignore all of the, the imperfections and just dance to the music. And now I'm listening to it and I'm just like, sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is that actually what was happening, or is it just the way they remastered the? the I recording? think
1: that's actually what's happening because you know most of these orchestras were were playing in front of a single microphone, and oh. if the if the singer was singing and of course he he's or she's passionate and she's moving, and she turns her head away and and then she comes back. I, I just I never noticed these these nuances before and now I'm like sitting in, outside or I'm walking in the park and I'm listening and I'm like, did they just like step away from the microphone and come on? I, I, I never paid attention before. It
3: was too busy Dan. Well, it's kind of like those videos of uh, like Daddy Enzo, where you see the singer sort of come up to mm-hmm. the mic and sing and then he goes off and
1: yeah. But there's images of like the orchestras in a room and you'll see. There's a microphone dangling in the middle. And then there's 15 to, I don't know how many is in an orchestra typica. You got the three bandoneons, two violins, whatever, bass singer, you know, electric guitar, drums. And they're all like spread out around the microphone at a certain distance.
5: Would it have been the same with like big band jazz recordings as well?
3: I'm not sure.
5: I don't know. Because it's the same era, yeah.
1: right? I don't know. Hey, Chrissy. Hey. Hey, Hi, Chrissy. Chrissy. Do you, know, you know everybody here. <laughs> uh,
6: yes, I do. I um, don't know James hey. super well, but I've met How's him going? a couple times. Dad, how are you?
4: Nice to meet you. I, nice to re-meet. re-meet you.
6: <laughs> you guys are talking about my favorite topic. <laughs> not i was <laughs> like this is probably like the worst one I could call in for like talking like the details of tango music I feel like I have like early trauma around being trapped with other DJs talking about like the inter- intricacies of tango music when I, and I was like where's like the nearest window I can like jump out of <laughs> um, I l- <laughs> Sorry, well,
1: <laughs> I was like doing this musicality workshops with Horacio recently, and he's breaking the music down in all these different ways. And, and I find it so interesting as a DJ, because we were talking about this earlier, Avik, how you said, um, mm. you know, T- DJs teaching like pre-formatted sort of styles and structures. You didn't always find to be the best way to do it.
3: Um, is that, is that, that's how you, you said, you know, it, I think I, I was saying that that's the standard way it's doing it and it's helpful But until help you're doing it live, but yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have to yeah. And
1: I to did it. a, I did a DJ workshop in May because I was broke and I needed to make money. And I, that's what I kept telling the oh, students. I took that. I took yeah. It. Yeah. And I kept telling people on occasion, I would be like, well, you got to go out and do it. But unfortunately that ain't happening right now. So, you know, <laughs> but, um, okay. The one interesting thing that I got, I mean, I got many things from this most recent workshop with Horacio, but he was talking, like, I touched on it earlier tonight in the show about the different instrumentations of the bridge and how that affects the song and and then how it affects, like, let's say you're DJing and you're thinking about, I want to play music from the 30s and the early 40s, the golden age, and I need to make singers with instrumentals. But lo and behold, did you realize, like, all of the music you played had a piano bridge in it? And, and that that little caveat was so not interesting all night for the dancers. Or did you ever have a solo instrumental melody happen? Like did, did the violin just play melody instead of the whole orchestra? All of these other nuanced ways to look at how I would choose music in the future. I'm so excited to get back to DJing now because mm. after taking these classes and thinking about the music from a different um or like, is the singer only singing in the A section? Or is the singer only singing in the B section? Or is he singing in the both? And, and how many songs in that time are like that? Or are they all the same? I don't know. I'm nerding out like fuck like this.
3: Yeah. Do you, you know, uh, Corey, Corey Ireland does a lot of analysis like that. He kind of breaks the music down and kind of counts how many orchestras have that kind of music mm-hmm. or this kind of music and bridges and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Might might talk. Yeah, about he's about, done. He's he has a around.
1: really good lecture on YouTube about the, the big four.
5: Yeah, he did that well, in San Francisco. It's
1: really nice.
0: Yeah.
5: At the uh, SF uh, marathon.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Well, I had the weirdest experience. I had to DJ for a um, an online milonga a few weeks ago, and for. Um, Technical success. In the end, I, I didn't DJ. I had to provide them a list, and they played it. So I had to like choose what I was going to play in advance. I've never done that before.
1: Yeah, v, remember doing the sound check when we said I said we could hear things happening around in the background.
3: Uh, your bridge. <laughs> Are you, <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: <laughs> oh. I, it was, it was far away from me.
1: <laughs> Somebody else have the same thing.
6: So <laughs> I, I have a question for you guys, yeah. if you don't mind me asking. Mm-hmm. So how do you, um, I mean, what represents good DJing, I guess is very subjective and, and there's probably like at a base, at a baseline, there's like some table stakes of what makes, like good DJing, like the variety of music you're playing or, but then there's that like artistic unknown, right? Like what, what's the, what's that secret sauce for you? Do you feel like it's in Cortina's? Do you feel like, how do you, what's like the art and science of it for you?
4: Well, baby making there's... Cortina's really. <laughs> I mean, I really <laughs> for sure. Pugliese, maybe 25% to 50% of the time. For me, I don't know, but for, for a crowd that loves D'Arienzo, then that, you know, or, or D'Arienzo like music.
0: or
1: I used to challenge yeah, myself, yeah. so I used to not, we were, I don't know how long you've been listening tonight, Kissy, but earlier I was saying how, and I, I would
3: like Avik to,
1: actually, I would like Avik to go first because he's our special guest. So, Avik, what do you think? <laughs>
3: The science of it. Well, I I mean, it was kind of what I was saying before, Chrissy, which is that I think ultimately people make the choice to dance and enjoy the dance because of sort of two factors, or let's say one spectrum, two ends of the spectrum, which is how how familiar is it uh, versus how new is it? And you need to Mm -hmm. balance those two things. So people are more likely to, uh, beginners are more likely to dance to things that they are very familiar with and you need that because in a milonga a large fraction of the people are relatively new to tango and but then you also have to cater to the crowd that has more experience and so and also give opportunities for the newer people to learn more complex things and so you have to slide to the sort of new music side of things and when mm-hmm. i say new i mean new to people who don't otherwise know mm-hmm. tango. it mm-hmm. may not be new to like a james or a chico or whoever mm-hmm.
4: what's the ratio for you avik like for i for me it's 75 percent familiar stuff to 25 percent
0: yeah you that, know at, at, at most
4: so like maybe one in a four song tanda maybe like one unfamiliar song that i'm excited to introduce people to and and three like but when know.
1: when do you play think- when do you go there when do I go I mean, Let's well, say I mean, milonga three, the milonga is three, because then you have the length of time. Is the milonga three hours? Is yeah. it like five right. hours? Is it practica?
3: Well, you know, like if it's a three-hour milonga, people come at least a half an hour to an hour late. If it's a five-hour milonga, people come like an hour to two hours right. late, right? So it's kind of part of it is like, you don't want to waste the the sort of new stuff when no one's there. But if you really want to try it out and see how it sounds in a big room, because sometimes that can be illuminating. Uh, I do try that. But um, I agree with the 75-25 thing, but I also think that ratio applies sort of in a context over the whole night, right? So if you have a a four hour milonga, then three hours of familiar and an hour of unfamiliar, something like that could be uh, doable. And generally, I think, um, to answer your question, Adam, I I think I, I do save the newer stuff for later. Because I think there's a middle period of a milonga where everyone's dancing and everybody wants to dance. And then later on in the night, people tend to leave. And uh, then then there's more sort of opportunity to try out something a bit newer.
1: I had this experience in Montreal with Carol a long time ago, where we went till eight or, we went all night, we, you had a fling. Remember the first fling, I DJed at it. Carlos and Tova were were there and, uh, Isaac and uh, Sharna.
5: So was was Robin DJing too? Like, were there two people or Tomas or something?
1: Perhaps it I don't remember. Um, I, back then, I was. It was all about me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> <Back then. laughs> um, but going back to this con- this question of Chrissy's is like, I've always tried to play like a mind game with people when I'm DJing, and Hold on, I got to connect James again. So, Sorry. like, I like to sort of trick people into staying by making them want to leave and then playing stuff they like again, you know? <laughs> like, I always save, like, I always save the greatest hits. So a lot of, so I used to play, like, the best music early. Robin Thomas used to always say, got to play the best music early. When people walk in, you want to hit the dance floor. And I totally agree. However, when people walk in, what do they want to do? They wanna fucking dance. So they're gonna fucking dance. And that doesn't mean you have to play bullshit, but you don't have to play like the Pensado Bien at 8 p.m. But if you play Pensado Bien at 3 a.m., those people that were just about to get up because you just played Publiese, you know, Chanel and they didn't like it, then they hear you know they're like, oh wait. We're, let's go! Let's. We're still here. Total. So I really like to play around with that dynamic. Um, I agree with you. And that's you of right. course, yeah.
3: mm-hmm. is, so it's,
1: as Avik was saying, that depends on the the venue. Like if it that's a, I'm thinking like a festival here. If I'm playing a practica, I'm playing the 20 greatest hits, or as James used to say, like the 300 best tangos. Uh, I'm only selecting out of that barrel for the for that two-hour practica because then that's it's when it's that's what you're doing there um and then I like a local milonga lately and lately i'm thinking of like the last four years or so like when i play in new york i'll play like quarientes esmeralda or something along those lines of Publiese, La La uh pretty early like third or fourth tanda because i want to i feel like in new york at least is ready for that early and i think it just like it makes people really focus like you know, they're like, oh, fuck, already? Oh, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, uh, we're here. We're doing this. <laughs> um, I remember the first time I played Pugliese that early at a Milonga in New York, and I, I, I remember that. That was the reaction. People were like, whoa, you really, you're you not fucking around today, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that. I loved it. Cause,
0: <laughs> you know, people people were
1: ready. They were like, oh, we're not going to sit here for three hours and then get that shit.
7: No. Sorry guys, I'm not ready to police in the beginning I'm ready to police at the end You just want to
1: be out all night, Marcelo
7: <laughs> Hello <laughs> everybody Good,
5: Marcelo.
7: Hi Hey, Hola Carol, James, Hi, my friend I'm
5: sorry, hey. I, for- I completely missed your weekend thing I- I'm sorry
1: how is that going? And, and you know Avik, of course. I'm assuming, right? <laughs> yes,
7: I know Avik. I know Avik.
1: Right. By the way, do. um, we don't have we have an official start to the five questions. We don't have an official end. So if you if you need to go,
3: <laughs> oh no, I no, okay, okay, because I don't want to be fine. rude and
1: just like not acknowledge the fact that you were our guest and. Now we're just. I
5: think, are you on the <laughs> no, no. same? Are you on the same time zone as us?
7: Yeah, East Coast. Yeah. yeah oh. Okay. Yeah. And we have Christy there, and we have. Where is Chico? Where, what you did with Chico?
1: She, uh, her signal is not the greatest. She was here for quite a while, but her signal is not the greatest. Marcelo, I have good news for you.
7: Uh oh. Are I don't you hanging
1: up? I don't have to hang up on you. I can. <laughs> I can mute. Oh, excuse me. I can mute you from here. Did you see that? <laughs>
7: That's
5: kind of violent.
7: Carol, you miss amazing weekend, guys. I'm amazing. Sorry, I totally,
5: it sounds horrible, but I, I totally forgot about it. I'm sorry. I uh,
1: our, we I got love a new you too. On Saturday, my friend. I'm so sorry too, but <laughs> I had to go
5: dance. No, but the, the weekend you did that? No,
7: they were. We are talking about the other weekend.
5: Yeah, it was the one before. But that's the one we had Oliver's film.
6: Remember, I I told you we were
5: going to be showing Oliver's film, and then I forgot Uh, about it.
6: Sorry. No. What kind of do you play for the revolution? That's our question for (laughs) for new presidents. Wait,
1: what? What? What kind of (laughs) song
6: would you play for the start of the revolution?
1: (laughs) What kind of song? Well, last week. I played for the show opening because we were in the middle of the election. I played "Fuga y Misteriosa" by by um, Pio because mm. it was like it's a beautiful song, but it was also a little chaotic. Um, I don't know.
7: Now they, all, they what they what want to to play now is "Libertango," guys. Bit. You need to play "Libertango."
4: Pensalo bien. You said it earlier. <laughs>
1: Let me see if I can find this one. Marcelo, what's up, man? How are
7: you? I'm super, I'm super fine. I'm super excited. I am studying new things. I am working in this Tango Sphere's project and it's going really well. You guys, I need, we need to do something here. I'm inviting you. I don't know if everybody's here. Don't tell anybody because we are just the Five of us here, right? Six of us here, so then nobody's listening. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no, anymore, yeah, it's okay. Now, we need to hang out together, and I need to share share with you what we learned in Tango Spheres, the A-needs work and other things too. It so do, blew, will blow your Zoom mind. Will we blow do your mind.
5: Why don't we do a Zoom call then sometime?
7: Yeah, yeah. Yes, we have to. That sounds good.
3: Mm-hmm.
7: Yeah, and Christy, I'm really glad for, for your project too. I saw the promotion in the question in the Facebook. Oh, thanks. What, Thank you. what are you up to?
6: <laughs> oh, you mean my the dating thing?
7: Interesting. You have many projects, and I love the project of the ladies too, talking the round table ladies.
6: Yeah.
7: It's yeah. fun. Thank you. The,
6: the last one was actually about women DJs and uh, uh it yeah was really I, I listened
5: but to that one
6: yeah yeah it was really interesting i i really appreciated uh their honesty around how they perceive like their their space inside of tango and some of them have had different trajectories around feeling like they were accepted as 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 equals um and viewed as kind of equals to ho- being able to hold like a the energy of a large space, um, that was one of the, the topics around being able to DJ at large festivals and stuff. So.
7: I, I need to share with you this this news that I have now talking that the female DJ. Mm. Did you know, this is something that I learned in the weekend with the, with the historian, did you know that I think Troilo... His first orchestra, what he played, was in a female uh, orchestra that was a female director. A conductor? Yes. In the 1920s, there was a bunch of women in tango running Milonga, running uh, carnivals, and, and as well having orchestras, all female orchestras. And Troilo. It started in one of them. I don't remember the name of the lady, but look at that. We think that we're in a revolution, but they started in 1920s already.
1: Well, wow, we thought we were in a revolution. Yes. That we, that we're really far from anything. <laughs> okay, it keeps
4: coming around, it keeps coming around.
5: Yeah, yeah Somebody, this I, this I of, like feel tradition. like I hear like mice or something.
4: Uh Marcelo's like eating a bag of uh Doritos <laughs> or, uh, Yeah, there's
1: always, always a little it. there's always a little static from his microphone for some reason. Not sure what it is.
7: And now it's oh, better okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: yeah Well you okay. stop Thank eating you. The Doritos, of course. Yeah.
7: <laughs> Mother- <laughs> <laughs> you know, too, but I need to share my other other happy moment that I have no, this no, week we guys, want everybody to hear No no, the, that's right.
1: not appropriate dude. <laughs>
7: Come on!
1: All right. Well, I guess since there's no video.
7: I, it's found, okay. I found. I found. Mexican food in what? Buenos Aires. Is there any spice? Wow! Oh. And
1: not
0: pepper. I mean.
7: And I deliver something that is awesome. That here we have deliveries. So I order, and the tacos arrive, and we some enchiladas. Ah, I was, I was almost. I almost cry. <laughs>
1: They used that
4: black pepper, didn't they? <laughs> that spicy black
7: pepper. Yes, there was no so, spicy because ever... here we don't need the spicy because we we appreciate food without spicy. <laughs> do, do
3: you ever uh, eat a Korean food
7: in, in uh, Buenos Aires? Yes, we have a neighborhood too there as well that is of Korean food, but from my place is so far for delivery, Korean so I cannot in take. Is a no <laughs> man, it's a really neighborhood. It's a neighborhood that the only thing, even everything, is in Korean.
1: James, you become a big, big, big. James, do you still travel with a bottle of uh, hot sauce in your pocket?
4: Not anymore. No. Yeah. I'm lectin free now. It's a bummer.
6: Huh. Oh, really? Yeah.
4: But it's good. It's good for me.
1: I'm really into spicy food.
6: You're doing that like FODMAP diet, James?
4: I don't know what it is. I just don't Uh, eat any nightshades or like regular potatoes. Sweet potatoes are fine. Oh, yeah. It's that FODMAP diet like that. Is that what that is? SIBO? SIBO? No, I don't know. know. But yeah, I I started a friend of mine was doing it because some of his older relatives had congestive heart failure. And I teased him a lot because he couldn't eat anything. Uh, And then I decided that I would give it a shot and uh, uh, see what happened. And my lungs cleared up. Like all this, you know, uh, congestion that I just sort of always had just kind of went away. And I thought, Mm. wow, that's really interesting. I also have a lot of congestive heart failure in my family. I
0: thought
4: maybe this, this, uh, this kind of biochemistry isn't good for me. So I... Now, now I'm stuck with it, but I love spicy food. I love chilies and everything. And apparently, if you skin them and take the seeds out, it's it's a lot better. So, I but I don't. Why think I,
5: could, I don't think I could live without tomatoes.
4: Oh, that's that's a hard one. It is, and I do have cheat days for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Got what kind of hot sauce do you tomatoes. eat, Adam? What's your favorite? Oh,
1: well, I'm still very primitive. I'm just getting into this hot stuff. So it's just like sriracha franks,
3: uh, different chili hot sauces. Look up uh, <laughs> look up, Rick. you know who Rick Bayless is? No. Rick Rick Bayless is a pretty famous Mexican restaurateur, or runs a Mexican restaurant in Chicago. But he's got some great recipes for hot sauces. That's what I <laughs> used to make mine, Just habanero based. Amazing, <laughs>
1: Yeah.
7: Well, that that is interesting. We are all talking about spicy food to the Indian person that he know. <laughs> these people know.
1: There's a there's a photo. <laughs> pro- there's a photo on Facebook of Robin and Avik from Nashville, and they're eating. I'm assuming they're eating spicy chicken. And there's a Robin is looking at yeah. the camera like his ass is about to explode, and and Avik is just smiling. <laughs> And somebody commented and said, I bet you Avik is eating the hot, hotter food right now.
3: <laughs> I was. That's true. And he's
7: just smoking. Of course. <laughs> it was so
1: funny.
7: This, this, they're, they're, we are babies still. We need to, a lot of learn from.
3: Yeah. Well, Marcel, I mean, I can't take full credit from being Indian. Actually, most people who know would call me an ABCD. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's like. American born confused Daisy. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? I don't have the same tolerance as my like my grandmother, she used to eat hot peppers all the wow. time, like all the time to the point where she, like she would eat these tiny little green chilies which are like the spiciest ones you can have. She would eat them raw. Okay, like, my <laughs> real. And 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 she actually couldn't taste things anymore afterwards. So it's actually not Yeah, that yeah, that makes sense. <laughs>
5: No. My friend Anna and her dad I, I was visiting um, them in the south of Italy, and they eat with like hot peppers beside their plates and like take bites out of them every in between yeah. bites of
1: food. That's
3: what we
1: do. Yeah, I sound like yeah. a bitch. I'm like, oh, I'm in the Frank's hot sauce and sriracha. Navik is just like <laughs> laughing. Like, <laughs> you're like, calo to goyanche or canado to goyaneche, you little.
6: <laughs> oh, Adam, have you ever tried really? those hot sauces from Hot Ones? That show,
1: the YouTube show. Uh, no, I've watched it. I've watched that show frequently. It might have, might have what it, might have what has been, it Jesus Christ, it might have been what has inspired me. <laughs> but um, I don't think I've tried. I, all I remember is from every episode of that show I've seen, the Kansas City nuclear bomb is just like the worst. Oh, yeah.
6: Oh, my God. It has, like, yeah, it's, that show is the best This
1: is show. great. It is, it, it, <laughs> have you guys seen that show? Anybody else? No. Not the resounding? No. idea. No. Okay.
6: Oh, my gosh. That's a he great show. He interviews
1: really high-profile athletes, actors, artists, musicians. But while he's interviewing you, you have to eat 10 hot wings from the least to the most spicy. And
6: so So once
1: they get to like the third or fourth For the most part, they're just dying And he's just asking questions And they're trying to keep their shit together It's fucking great It's a YouTube show
6: Yeah, it's really, really good
1: We should try that on this show What's, What
6: is it What is it called again?
1: Hot Ones Hot mm-hmm. Ones It's great, it's super fun I, my, I recommend, personally I recommend The Shaquille O'Neal episode <laughs> That man is fucking
7: hilarious.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, Thank you, Joanna. for the information. questions for Avik?
5: Well, did you ask him more than one?
1: I think so.
7: We still have the first one? <laughs> we are in know. the third person I don't know where. What time is it?
4: <laughs> you guys, I have to get going. No. I do. I'm sorry. I'm gonna miss you guys. I'm gonna to listen to the rest of it tomorrow or whenever Adam posts it. But it's been it's lovely. To
3: hear your. It's great to hear your voice, James.
4: Likewise, likewise. It's been lovely chatting with everybody and uh, lots of love. Stay Thanks healthy. Thanks for calling in, man. Cozy Good to and warm. hear from you.
1: Yeah, stay healthy.
7: yeah. Big hugs. Thank you. Thank you. Most Thank you, James. Big hugs. Ciao, ciao. man. Ciao. ciao. Joan, thank you so much for the information, but I want to keep my sensitive talk like it is now. You- <laughs> Sharon, thank you for the video. That she's such a, such a great producer this show has. <laughs> it's true. When there is something that is missing, she finds it in, in Wikipedia and everybody's safe.
3: So is uh, is Sharon like sitting right next to you, Adam?
1: No, I make her go outside oh, during the, the show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's raining out right Wonder now. What the fuck? Oh my god, Sharon! It's Sharon. No, she's just in
3: the other room.
6: <laughs>
1: oh yeah, that's right. I she make her clean.
3: clean. That's it. Nicole, oh yeah. Clean up all the mess you make from all the cooking you're doing. Exactly.
1: Got a lot more grime on the. On the cooking? Oven hood.
7: Cooking. We call calling cooking. Whatever. That.
1: Yeah, baby. I made a mean uh, chicken katsu curry yesterday. Ooh.
6: So what's uh what's going to be the first tonda that you're going to play when you're going to go uh when after COVID is over? I'm going to
1: play a Tonda of queen. we will rock you we are the champions another one bites the dust what's another one Uh, throw in there Um, I'll think maybe it'll be a short time maybe it'll just be those three yeah I don't know I, I think I'm just gonna have a big party for the first time what about you guys
6: I just hope it's just like the big debaucherous <laughs> orgy I mean you can play tango music there if you want but whatever just
1: yeah I do everybody. think it's going to be a lot of lo-
7: <laughs> <laughs> now we are talking finally you bring somebody who, who say the shit like it should be called
1: no, I've had this conversation with several people
7: Mm -hmm. yeah it's just that is always fun
6: enough with shit picking the tango music it's just we're not going to care anymore no whatever yeah Yeah. i don't think anyone
5: will really care
3: exactly nothing will matter except all everyone being in one place together i
6: know know. oh god are you going to take the
7: vaccine sorry Sorry, oh, yeah. kind of...
6: let's, talk, let's talk about let's have vaccine talk. That's
1: better. Oh, I oh yeah, that's a really uplifting today.
7: conversation.
6: I got my flu shot today. Oh, really?
1: Well, I want to know what kind of tango music you want to listen to when you get the vaccine. Let's keep this. <laughs> let's keep this about tango. We have people listening that they don't want to talk about this. Kind of thing.
7: I will. I will. No, I'm
1: definitely going. Sorry. Really going to get the vaccine if uh, once I see like other thousand people get it
5: first not that well the thing is is we're not going to be amongst the first people who get it anyways they're going to give it to people who are more true important you know like um, medical people and and you know
1: mm-hmm.
5: it's going to be a long time before they get to people our age
7: you know? no the, the, the dango people will be less in the queue were the, the, the important people <laughs> going 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 well, the, I mean, the they're fir- going to
5: give it to people who need it for work and people who are more at risk. And we're, we're not going to be among the first anyways.
7: That is true. No, that's true. That is true.
1: But mm-hmm. once it starts getting out there, it will help mm-hmm. decrease the chances for the rest of us. Sure. So. Yeah, that
6: herd immunity starts to happen regardless, right?
1: <laughs> I think
6: uh, you uh, set-
1: yeah, mm-hmm. but you need like...
6: More than 70%, I think, of people
5: to have it before you have herd immunity.
1: But you know what? Okay. At our rate in the U.S., we're going to have herd immunity before that vaccine ever gets out. We're getting, like, up to almost 150,000 cases a day. Yeah, it's
5: yeah. bad. You have a huge yeah. population, though.
7: No, I think, you that's know what? Funny. I think that the state are doing a bunch of orgies. That is why they are doing so many people infected. Everybody's together with...
1: What's going on in Argentina, man? You guys were in that terrible lockdown for I know. Ever, and now you're in like 7th place in the world
3: <laughs> for cases.
7: No, we you know for okay, okay. We two good news. Good news first one, we are out of the curve. And Buenos Aires out of the lockdown. So, we are like things got. I'm touching something which is wood. Now, so the 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 curve is going down. We are in the in the recovery mode and then we have uh, the vac- the russian vaccine with the government bought it so we are going to have the vaccine in oh dear god and then we have <laughs> the vaccine the chinese one we have the 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 english vaccine we are in everybody we, we <laughs> our yeah, government marcelo, really good marcelo you, marcelo,
5: you don't desperate. have them yet the vaccines they've just bought them right
1: the russian one wasn't even real man
7: um, we will yeah, see
5: say... because Canada Canada has bought like something like 80 different vaccines like hoping that one of them you know a few of them are gonna be right.
7: We are exactly like you guys. We bought we're going bought I think like I don't know for everybody bought vaccines. So. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, but I mean I think that's what most countries are doing, right
3: mm-hmm. So so Adam, just so we don't spread misinformation. If we had, I just did a little math here. If we did 150,000 infections a day, it would take five and a half years for everyone to get COVID. Wow.
1: But we don't need everyone. We need uh, like
3: what, 60%. Well, 60% would be like two and a half years. And we're a year in. (laughs)
5: hey avi do you remember we were supposed to go to like martinique or Guadeloupe or something like that oh yeah right that's right
3: yeah what happened well that that was supposed to be in march march it was it was supposed yeah it it was was never
5: yeah unfortunately it kind of never happened before it just yeah yeah that was too bad i mean it wouldn't have happened in the end probably anyways but
3: I was kind of, like, you know, not terribly disappointed because it seemed like it got canceled before COVID hit, so. Yeah. Um, But I have to tell you, like, once COVID hit, I, for the first time in 20 years, I felt like my life was unscheduled (laughs) for a little while. That, that That was really nice. And I think from a, you know, we're all doing some sort of, artistic endeavor in Tango and to step away from art for a little bit is always like a good idea. So, I don't know. I have
7: yeah, you know.
5: me was stepping away from having to be around so many people all the time, which
7: mm-hmm. was great. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, know. I hate people. See. But now no. we know that Carol hates people. <laughs> I oh, I knew that already.
5: I knew that already. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, maybe a little bit. I think it's the quantity of people all the time, which I find, I'm not a very, I'm not very good with people knowing,
7: it's true. So Christy, you know where the orgy goes now, now you start doing the list, right? The what? The list of people who like people, who doesn't love beauty, the list who invite to where.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I'm crafting the list now. I, I, I don't miss people either. I it's been nice. I it's one of the things that's been weird about this is like I'm afraid. Like I'm afraid about the socialization again. Like I'm not well practiced around like deep socializing. It's gonna be hard for people.
3: I think we're gonna bounce back yeah, pretty fast, like yeah.
6: Me too. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm, I'm really happy about I was I, I, the silver linings for me have been like getting a lot more rest, drinking a lot more water. Um, like Avik said not having this sort of like agenda every day, this time structure, mm-hmm. traveling every weekend but at the same time I'm what gets me going is being around people that I care about and random encounters with people and meeting people and I've had, we've all had pretty much zero to uh, any of that like, i mean as much as you all claim you hate people you're in a fucking field that requires socializing so don't give me too much of that shit um we still get something out of it and um i think i think like the first time we got together sharon and i had people over at like the end of may we have you know we have a yard so we had two people, a married couple over, and um, it was after, like, two and a half months of quarantining, and I remember after, like, 20, 30 minutes, I was, like, in my head, because I I've spent two months in my head, you know, like, they come over, and, ah! and then after, like, 20 minutes, I'm in my head, like, looking at them, like, okay, so they're sitting there, and uh, I'm sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm so tired. Um, but I think getting back to, we'll learn a lot from this experience for sure. and Maybe we'll learn more about when we need to take our time better. Um, But I think getting back to socializing, for at least for some of us, won't be. For me, I'll just speak for myself. I can't wait.
7: (laughs) I don't, so there is a, sorry. Sorry, Vic.
3: No, I was just gonna I, say that I, I think we'll appreciate each other a bit more than we did before all this started because it feels a bit more precious at least right now. I mean I'm sure we're all acclimate to that at some point, but in the first few months after it I think we're we're gonna appreciate each other I think more. we'll
1: appreciate each other more and I think we'll appreciate our time away more,
3: yeah. Hmm.
6: Well, there's also this, like, deep sense of maybe just taking tango a little more slowly instead of consuming it the way we've done before.
3: That would be awesome.
6: consumption, you know, where it's like you're always, the fear of missing out kind of keeps you, like, doing all this shit that maybe you wouldn't want to before.
1: Like when you go to Buenos Aires and you have to be out every night and then take all the classes and all that. I mean, I grew out of that eventually, but...
3: But... uh, yeah people in my circles have been calling it the great pause and i think (laughs) what you're saying christy is like yeah i totally agree with that it will hopefully at least for some of us i think it will for me is just to step back and say like what do i really want to do and how can i do whatever i choose to do in the fullest way and that's really hard to do when you're constantly bombarded by constant activity all the time
6: right the fear of missing out like every weekend there's something new that you're not doing and it's a weird way to choose something
3: Hmm.
5: avik are you teaching university courses this uh, semester
3: i am yeah i I teach a half term course in the fall and then i have my i teach three courses in the winter so this is kind of my easier semester Um, but i feel really fortunate that i you know have my job at the university and I can teach all my classes from home and surprisingly I mean I teach graduate students like they have been really remarkable in their resilience to the situation and I, in some ways even more engaged than they they have been in years past so I feel really lucky about that
0: That's great <laughs> This
7: uh huh, salute. That's salute, sneeze, sneeze. salute. That's it. Do you understand what it means? Salute, yes. But
5: Spanish? I
7: coughed, yeah, yeah. So it took
5: me
0: by surprise. I got you. That is not a
7: word that is you so used.
5: Marcelo, like, she, he's like got his mouth out again.
7: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Here it is, this is better. Yes. No, I wanted to say that okay. there, yes. there is a very nice, there is a couple of memes that in this conversation remind me, there is one meme that there is a lady here in Buenos Aires as the government uh, the, uh, this Friday. No, when was it? Monday. Monday, they said that the lockdown is up and everybody can go out. So that immediately appears a, a meme that is a lady in a corner, and uh, sitting in the corner and hugging the her own knees and thinking, I will see people now. I don't know what to say.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So what are you allowed to do now in Buenos Aires?
7: The the only thing that is not allowed is to have people inside uh, uh, more than six people in one uh, in a public place. So Everything with outside is allowed. They, 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 we have here a lot of soccer fields. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that people go to play soccer. Now it's everybody's playing soccer like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> today I went out. Today we are Wednesday, so I went out for for a bike ride, and everybody was playing. I mean, generally these places are full in weekends, right? But now <laughs> they were like full. All of them they were are full, people, and people running Marcelo, around. Are
1: people more concerned? because of the history of your countries with the with the military coups in the past and the, and the social separation, forced separations. Like, are people more concerned? I feel like when I speak to my friends in Argentina, they're like, oh, no, we just have to do this right now because of COVID. But I feel like if I was from a country that had such a strong history of of forcing people not to get together military from the, you know, the military. Like I would, because in the United States, we've had none of that ever. And half of our country thinks that this is a fucking coup. Like this is all fake because the government doesn't want us to hang out. So I'm just curious uh, if you've been hearing anything like that from
7: people. No. Do you know what I noticed? Something Super generational. For instance, in this moment, we have three generations uh, uh, trying to to live together. Really clear in, in Argentina, we have the generation that my mom, my mom, she, she, yes, there is some kind of reminiscence of that time that the, the government says something, and they are really, really concerned and and scared. There is kind of this 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 mentality. Uh, then it's my generation uh, that we more or less do what we please. <laughs> so this is the, the our generation, my generation. I'm talking about the 35 to 50 that they 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 don't like to follow the rules. And then we have the young people that they are 25 under 25 that they are doing everything in conscience. It's, I'm really happy for the new generation in that way. The new generation are doing it because they want to help people so they are taking more care of themselves going out for instance today i went i was i'm not saying that everybody but i'm saying like the big majority Mm -hmm. Uh, i went out and i was i was biking and one of the kids that there were around 21 more or less he said "No, no no they were going with friends right and they were going to a place where there were more people just crossing the street and the boy said no, no, one moment. Let's put the max and all of them they put the max and they cross. By choice. Nobody there was no adult telling them, there was no police in the street. There was more self awareness of doing this will help to to the society. So there is our conscience of the young generation more. How
3: do you how soci- do you account how do you account for that difference? Why is there a difference between your generation and
1: why do you think you're in the generation that's just above twenty five?
7: my mind no but my body says so (laughs) Uh, I think that there is is something interesting the fear that my mom uh, lived I mean there is two kind of uh, good question uh, Adam because that's share a way to you guys to understand our, our history there is two kind of people in Argentina that uh, will live in the time of the military coup. The people who were against and the people who mm. were for.
1: That's true. We're about to approach right? that. They're, yeah.
7: Yeah, there is people, there is people, yeah, this is something that I noticed in the, in the States too that you guys didn't live, but I, I have a lot of, we have a lot of experience with that idea. So there is people who is pro-military coup and they are even, they are thinking that they are fighting for freedom, but actually they are supporting a military government. So it's really fucked up. And, and these people are the ones who educate the kids, thinking, we, my generation, i no? thinking, oh, because if you are with the, with the socialists, if you do this, you are a socialist. If you are do that, you are like, you are surdito, they call it here. Oh, I think that uh, the peroncho. So this, bless you. And these, these people are the one that, they're creating this concept of, if you follow the government, you're you are a sheep but the, and that is the, these people who were pro-military pro they put this i don't know how to call it uh, people who like against the the science <laughs> and that's my generation but the new generation actually they work more through social media so when they see that something that makes sense for them they follow it and generally, it's more about something that's more common ground, right? Like not eating animals, making more like taking care of the earth. It's more social driven, more liberty for women, are more involved in that kind of stuff. Does that make, make sense what I said, guys?
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering, as you're saying that, is there sort of social misinformation that's like, are there conspiracy theories in
7: Argentina like there are in the States? No, here, no. Thanks God, I'm so happy with that. And I believe, I believe that one of the reasons it is because uh, the education here is not, is, is really like, a, like, not influenced for the church. So the, there is no belief about comparison theories. There is really few. There will be like, 1% of the population who believes that, Le- or less. So there is no such it's a- so... hmm? Yeah, it,
3: it's amazing, because here in this country, like the percentage of people who believe in conspiracy theories is so high, including things that aren't even conspiratorial, like things like climate change and whatnot, but
1: uh... yeah- I think, Wait,
3: I'm I sorry, be... mean what did you say? Like,
0: <laughs> okay.
3: I said, no, no, I, I agree. I
1: <laughs> don't know. I, I mean, I want to believe Marcelo, but I feel like he might be missing some media platforms that have a, a people in Argentina that are quacked out. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here with it, with all that shit. It seems like we've, we've. I feel like I've seen this, like, group of people from their basements slowly find each other online, like, around eight or nine years ago. They're like, oh, you think you think this too? Oh, you think that too? Oh, let's all meet up. Oh, we have a room now. We're on AOL. Oh, now we are on this. And, and it's just, like, multiplying and multiplying and multiplying, getting to this point where then you create a trend. You create like a following. People that never once thought they would even think or believe in this sort of thing are now like, "Oh, there's people that believe in that. That's interesting. I'm going to check that out." And it's like,
3: <laughs> I think a lot of it though has has to do with community. Absolutely. That's what I'm. That's that, but yeah,
1: that's another way to say what I'm saying. Yeah, they're finding communities that they're latching onto that they may have nev- they may have never.
3: Uh, so in some ways, I have. I have empathy for them because we all seek that. I mean, all of us have found each other in tango, right? That too is a form of community, and it doesn't, you know, do a lot of damage in the world. I think, but uh, but like they're looking for the same thing—that feeling of like absolutely, absolutely. Time. I mean, when COVID hit,
1: and as as not even when COVID hit, but I would say the longer it lasts, I've been asking myself like. What am I gonna do if this continues for for the unforeseeable future and I need to do something else? You know, I'm not the kind of person who's just gonna like do what like several of my other friends and hang out done and be like, I'm gonna go into programming and sit in my apartment all day and program. No, I love mm. being around people. So I'm thinking like, should I join a religion? Should I start a religion? Should I Run for political office. Should I start a new party? Like, <laughs> like I need. A we should start a new
6: conspiracy I need theory people that- like. I need, yes. Like I,
1: I, if I don't have people around me to communicate with, to have joy with, to have fun with, like I get in my head. I, I, I didn't notice this before, but having all these months to be in my head, like I get anxiety. I get, you know, yeah. Like, I like, I feel like Tango's given me that outlet, like, having people to shine my light into and to have them shine their light back into me has really been helpful for me all these years and um and now i'm like well if we don't have tango anymore what what, what am i going to do and it has to have something to do with interacting with people being around people i i, I know that enough about myself so yeah it's, it's interesting
7: Yeah, I know something about uh, what you mentioned, Adam. What I can totally see about the people that here in Argentina believe in conspiracy theories, I can I can say that it's five percent of the population. And how can I I'm sure about that? Because, uh, for instance, the eighth of November, these people, many of these people, call for a demonstration. And you know that here in Argentina, if there is something that we love, is demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> We love to go out and scream and burn things. We love that. So they call for this demonstration against the something. And if you see the picture in the street, it's like nothing. It's like nothing. Nobody. I mean, you see people, of course, in Buenos Aires, in Cordoba, Mendoza. I'm talking about people that are like cities that there are like two, four four million, two million. So there will be people. But it's not. It is. It's like the soccer team, the championship thing. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that many.
1: I'm curious what's going to be on Saturday. We have. There's going to be some sort of. So you know, outside of our major media platforms, now there's several other media platforms for like, basically like right-wing. Whatever you want to call them, outside of Facebook and Twitter and stuff, these new ones are popping up and. Um, we are supposed to hold a march on in Washington on Saturday to stop the steal from, you know, the election. And, and I'm just curious, I'm really curious to see what the turnout's going to be like. But this, yeah. I, I don't know the history of Argentina very much. Um, I mean, at all. Sharon knows so much more about it. She read all, all sorts about it, but um, as, as one would do if you're Sharon, but, I know the history of this country very much is 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 never been about. Um, it's so it's so interesting. It's like basically there's two countries. There's there's individual and then there's the community. And so you either believe in the you know the, the Declaration of Independence or you or you believe in the Constitution, and and there's. It's just such a there's the dynamic between these two things and and so you believe in america if if it if it serves you individually but you believe in america if it serves you communally um and then we have you know of course the immigration and then we have
3: pardon i was just going to say there's something ironic there because even the people who are completely individualists they don't exist in a vacuum right they they like talking to other individualists
1: about their ideas and they have community around that. Well, that's, I'm sorry. First, I think I can't hear you that well, by the way, but also that's, what's so interesting about what you're saying is and that how they're all coming together on social media. It's like, I, I, I often, I feel like this is like my high school, like being around a bunch of people like this is like being around a bunch of people chanting, we love this thing, but then when they look at each other, they all want to like punch each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't really, I, I can't really underst- I mean, I can understand it in a way. It's like I've grown up around it. I've witnessed it. I've been near it. But yeah, yeah. It's it's a very. It's like a shared. It's a shared belief in individualism. without actually coming but like coming together obviously to vote and, and things but without just coming together and being like hey but then you know everybody's different emotionally everybody has
3: fear and not everybody i mean i'm talking about specific uh, groups no i think everyone does just about different things
1: well okay that that's 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 valid yeah <laughs> but but it's like, like we make you know i don't want to oversimplify things but i think a lot of us are make our choices on love, and, and, and a lot of us make our choices on fear. Or you can and you can word that in other ways, of course, pessimistic, optimistic, yin yang. But um, and then people feed off of those things. And anyway, we're not we're not really talking about tango anymore. But that's that's the after party of a tango cafe takeout these days. We used to just take our shirts off and des- dance despacito. <laughs> the Despacito.
3: There was like a whole bottle of vodka that we drank. So, yeah, different times. Yeah.
1: Anyway. Perhaps we should for, wrap for, it up. For Actually, from an outside,
7: I can tell something interesting. Uh, uh, and I think uh, this is the way that I can join these two ideas of the tango and the and the concept of, of a country, right? It is uh, something that Tango brings, it's this idea of unity, right? You come to the Tango, and everybody's equal. There is not the hierarchy. And at the same time, everybody vote, vote in order to follow certain rules. So, all of us, we agree to go in the Ronda in certain direction. And everybody agrees that some of us will be followers, some of us will be leaders. So, there is a freedom of, there is a common like, agreement in a bunch of people, right? And this is what I understand about a country. A country is a bunch of people getting together and agreeing in things. And from outside, uh, from outside, listen to this story because now you guys are in the media everywhere, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody is talking about this, what the hell is going on in the states. And in the states, uh, nobody knows what the hell is going on because you guys inside themselves, yourself, that doesn't know if you are a country or you are a state. If you're, if it is, it is uh, like. Uh, no, uh, it's a education with not religion, or the education should have religion. So it's, I, there is things that you need to figure it out. Looks like <laughs> makes sense what I'm saying. Yeah, but, but that's the
1: whole reason this country is so dynamic and interesting and, and polarized and up and down because there's never. I've never. I, I mean, I, I guess maybe Argentina, maybe Argentina is a country where. Like, if you move to Japan, and you're white, and even if you get citizenship, they're never going to say you're Japanese. If you move to Paris, if you move to France, if you move to anywhere. Like, but in the United States, like, you could walk around covered head to toe in hajib, uh, and, in, in like, you're American. Like So because we are such a melting pot of so many nationalities and that's our roots that's our starting point mainly based on economics, mainly based on religious freedoms and then other things that have come from that it has caused this country to become such an explosive place you know it's really hard to just put everybody in one or two categories I mean, even though we do politically of course but yeah I don't know so it's not something we're going to
7: as solve and something we're going to have to evolve through always. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I agree with you that uh, in my years of traveling, it's true that Argentina. I think that is, I don't know in the states, but I can tell about New York, for instance, but or San Francisco that you go and you anybody up there could be American. It doesn't matter the color or the size or whatever. Here it's the same. I I think that Buenos Aires has this this dynamic too that think people could be argentinian and you have something like me which is brown and then you have something like somebody like christ that is super brown uh, white and and it will be the same or somebody like you that is super white and same so yeah hmm. we have we have a bunch of people coming from the from the world to like you guys yeah, yeah everywhere yeah,
1: yeah. But as Joanne wrote, like, we did kill off most of our indigenous population and we all are, we all are immigrants. But if you look back at yeah. it, I'll say at least Europe, I mean, that, that's another place where I would suspect that it's not the way it was a few thousand years ago in terms of the original peoples that settled in those different lands. True. It's definitely true. Not as not not more innocent than we are.
7: No, no, we have In a really dark history. In Argentina, struck,
1: man, like you guys killed a ton of motherfuckers.
7: <laughs> well, yes, we did. Mm-hmm. We did. The the two the two there's two group of people who killed many of the of the indigenous people, from the Spanish invasion. The first one they. They killed tons, and then when they well, they no? this and then the second generation of the the first Spanish as well, in order to to take the land, they 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 did a war against the Indians.
3: There is a there is this line in uh, Biden's victory speech that I think is really relevant here, which is that he said something about needing the better angel of our angels of our nature to overcome our darker impulses. I think that pretty much sums up what, what all this is about. It's like, we, we have those darker impulses, all of us. And, uh, under certain circumstances, those darker impulses come out. But the only thing that will prevent us from doing more killing in the future, or like believing things that aren't real or all that stuff is really, uh, Science, rationality, and conversations with other people, doing things out of love—like all those things—but we have these darker, this darker side to us that we all, we need to acknowledge and try to overcome. I think, and a lot of that's like has to start individually, in my opinion. Is somebody snoring. Yes. <laughs> it does sound like it. Yeah.
7: Sounds like when somebody's snoring. Is that
1: Sharon? Is she in the <laughs> other room
7: <laughs> the other thing, other to finish, to wrap it up, something really interesting. It might be somebody's story. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I hear a story, oh.
1: and I'm assuming it might be coming through my mic through the wall. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm sorry, she this knows- person, Rizwan, who wants to call in, but um, we're this is sort of a closed show, so yeah.
7: No, something interesting, guys. I went to I, the other day, uh, the other day. I went to to a museum, and I was in the museum looking this uh, the torture that the people in the Inquisition time they were using in order to to kill people. I don't Inquisition. Do you know what the I mean? Inquisition when the, mm-hmm. the church Inquisition. So I was thinking, looking at them, saying, "Wow, look at these barbaric people." How they were believing this time and and i wondering in 200 years or 400 years when the, the generation look at our time they will think the same about us about this we we're thinking look at these people they had countries armies and killing each other for election what answer lies
1: i don't think it's going to change i i i just saw a ted talk earlier today about like, i he mentioned how like there's a, a satellite that goes around the globe every two days, and it follows this track, uh, which is always in the sunlight. And then apparently all of these amazing natural wonders are built around the exact same line going around the Earth. And I was watching this, and I was thinking, and he's like, wow, how were they able to create these monuments and cut this stone such a way, and they didn't have the technology we have in Bovok? There's a part I was just thinking for a second. I was like, maybe we used to be as advanced as we are now. We we had fucking computers. We had all this shit. Maybe we were the ones who blew up the fucking world and set it back into the Stone Age. It wasn't dinosaur. It wasn't like global. It wasn't climate change or all this shit. Like maybe we've already been here before, and our planet is just. Getting you know, to like reset itself. I don't know. It's, it's very stupid, not relevant theory. But um,
7: Abik, we have a new conspiracy theory now.
1: No, it's it's not a cons- I don't actually believe it's true. That's the difference. It's not a conspiracy theory. You need your
7: communities. just like we just uh, created a new conspiracy theory, Abik. There we are. <laughs> That is so much fun. Thank you, Adam. Now I have something to 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 write in Facebook now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sorry. Just
1: saying we may not be as advanced as we think we are. We're not gonna. I don't know if in 200 years from now we're going to look back and say, oh, I can't believe this and this and that. Because as far as I can tell right now, we can't look back that far
7: in
3: I was Bobby reading snoring. this. Uh, Somebody
7: is snoring. Yes, <laughs> Amik, <laughs> tell us. You were. Re-
3: oh well, there's a there's a book I've been reading this this summer uh, called Enlightenment Now, which is by this Harvard guy, Steven Pinker, and uh, he argues that you know on many measures the world is getting much much better. So he like counts the number of like murders that happened uh, in the stone ages to now. And like, you know, all the trends like child mortality and um, all these different uh, data trends seem to be going in the right direction. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that means that everything's going to keep going in that direction. But to me, that that says that like what Martin Luther King said about the moral arc of the universe being long, but it bending towards justice, that idea, which actually he didn't say, somebody else said, that he kind of took from. Anyway, that's a positive positive view.
7: I do feel that there is some kind of evolution. Yes, I I believe, for instance, uh, this idea of justice, right, that everybody's equal to the law is super new. Something that is unthinkable, like, I don't know, 1,000 years ago. Was unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) Nice.
3: Yeah, I mean (laughs) slavery existed. uh, obviously like the rights of minorities and women and all these things have definitely demonstrably improved. But I think we people tend to focus on negative things, like we're wired to. And so we we don't see that I think. And so sometimes it's helpful to look back and look at at the numbers and the data. I'm sorry guys, but I think
1: Carol's
7: Who is snoring? (laughs) Carol Carol is snoring? (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Carol. We love you, Carol. I'm
5: here, I'm here, I'm
7: here. here, Did just wake up? That
3: That was
1: awesome. Yeah, we heard you snoring. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Live on the podcast. We
0: were trying to figure it out. I was like, "What the fuck is snoring?
3: They were blaming me. Something. Just when I was saying something so smart. Just and when I was talking
1: about aliens. The
3: snoring the background. Living
1: in the, like, in the future. <laughs>
5: was, I, was I asleep for? A, was I asleep for a long time? Uh,
1: no, we're still like we have to keep this under three hours because five being shuts us off. So we're getting close. So probably like ten minutes. Oh shoot.
5: Oh, sorry about that. No, that
1: was hilarious. That was beautiful. I, I love it.
7: It was really cute. Your snore is really cute, Carol.
1: I thought Very it was sudden. Sharon coming through the wall or something. I'm like, she's snoring so loud that like she never snores, though. So I was like, I can't be sure. Oh,
0: oh that was beautiful.
7: <laughs> that is awesome. That is awesome. That is, the, we are talking something really profound. Uh, Avik is bringing some, some author talking about um, uh, evolution of, of, of the humanity and up, there conspiracy is a story and Carol, awesome. So,
1: <laughs> so Marcelo, Carol, Carol, Marcelo said that maybe 5% or 10% of the people in Argentina believe in conspiracy theories. How about in Canada?
5: well, I think it's different in different places in Canada, but here in Quebec, I heard it was twenty percent. Wow. I don't and, know if that's true, and... but it's it's,
7: it's what But you have a really much more education than moral of everybody. What's up? But,
5: but but um, I think to various different degrees, I think the 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 poll was done that you know some people at least twenty percent believe some things, you know. I was really and shocked. Does
3: that my, align? My... Does it align with the people who want to secede from Canada? Succeed.
5: Mm. <laughs> it's some. Did you see not, that
3: guy
1: today? Not all. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. I saw that
5: too. Yeah. Thank God,
1: this is what we're dealing with in the United States, people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking like, Congress people are talking about succeeding from the United.
5: Which state was it? Louisiana or something like that? I forget the state
1: right now, but yeah. Missouri, so, it was Missouri. Do you think there's
3: overlap, Carol? Pardon? Did you think there's overlap between the secessionists and uh, the conspiracy theorists?
5: Um, some, but, you know, a lot of the um, the separatists, some of them are, you know, it was more like a philosophy and an, I and I don't want to say, that sounds horrible, like I'm minimalizing mm-hmm. it, something really important, mm-hmm. but do you know what I mean? It was sort of like a, yeah. an intellectual thing as well. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Like the anti-mask thing was super big here. Like, I don't know. I really don't know. Like there's, it's weirdly like there's a whole, uh, Action of them that are like health guru-y kind of people you know do you know what i mean like
3: yes i've been noticing isn't
5: that, that sort that, of like weird that, that,
3: and that, and yes
5: mm-hmm. yeah i don't get it
3: crazy. i don't get it i you know what i think it's driven by youtube videos i mean that's oh yeah what for, that,
5: sure. for so,
2: sure so for
3: whatever reason youtube's algorithm might have uh found yoga people and found that they were would be susceptible to watching q or whatever conspiracy
5: i don't know but mean, it is so strange you know, yeah and it's a lot of them who are you know not believing in medication and you know eating right well you know that kind of they, it seems to mix a lot of things together and it's very far reaching i was shocked my my ex I'm friends with on Facebook and he's really into all that stuff and um, so much that they So every once in a while I go and check his Facebook page to see because I'm just fascinated by the whole thing and and he's repo you know they repost stuff that aligns with Trump like anti-Biden stuff and we're not even in the U.S.
3: Yeah it's
5: it's shocking
3: it's shocking yeah
5: And it, it's amazing they and they really believe it's um uh, they really believe this stuff that's what's so scary is they and uh i've had one student sent me a letter um okay i had we i had put out like an email with publicity about uh, the concert that meredith was doing last weekend right and this one guy writes me back, and it's just like copy paste of all this kind of rhetoric stuff. And it's, you can tell the way he's writing it that he really thinks that he's doing me a favor by uh, educating me about all this stuff that I wouldn't have heard of.
1: Mm. I love the copy paste education.
3: <laughs> you gotta read but, this. But he- but we can't, I don't know, I think we should be careful too, like right? for one reason, like you said, Carol, like these are issues that some of these issues are important to people, so when I say like separatists or anything, I don't mean it in yeah, yeah,
5: way. yeah no, 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 Seriously. I understand what you but, mean no. well the, but, the separatists, but the other... a lot a lot of the separatist thing is just people not wanting uh, and not a lot, but some of it certainly is people just wanting to have a perception of going against whatever was in charge. Right, or whatever yeah. is the status quo, and yes, there's probably those kind of people who, who just want to protest against something. Yes, it's attracted them, but it seems far bigger than that kind of thing. Yeah,
7: yeah. but, but I I the, in other, Argentina.
3: Piece,
5: mm-hmm.
3: the other, mm-hmm. other piece that's important though is that people we all are susceptible to the information that we're presented with, and if one spends, you know, eight, 10 hours a day, whatever, going down a rabbit hole about a particular issue that they have no sort of way to defend themselves against that with science, or, you know, maybe they don't have the right kind of education to education. Kind of themselves. Is the that. I mean, it's like, how, how can you expect people to not do it? I mean, I, so one of the things I teach in my class, like at, at the university is about climate science. And most of my students are in the School for Environment and Sustainability. And I ask them in class, how, how much do you know, actually know about climate science? Like actually how it works, like how people do the modeling. And when we really get into it, we re- realize that really none of us, me included, know how all of that work mm-hmm. works.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I believe in climate science, obviously, but, but it's, we have to kind of be honest and say like, look, we're not actually doing this science. We are hearing it from other people and we believe those people. And so there is a part of us that is doing the same exact thing that the conspiracy theory people are doing.
5: Well, one thing that I, I, I listened to this, uh, somebody, um, sent me a, a recording, like kind of a, a thing, a thing on YouTube is going to sound horrible, but that, um, uh, a sociologist or an anthropologist here in Quebec had uh, had done, and he he was talking about a couple main reasons why this phenomenon is has become so big here. And one of them was like they were there was a huge um, a, Quebec was one of the most Catholic places probably in North America, very religious, run by the church. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon to hear people say that they have, uh, you know, their mother has 15 brothers and sisters or or things like that. Like the Catholic Church was very, very strong. And then there was a huge revolt against it. So he talks about like, kind of the need for reasoning or the need, kind of a need that religion would have uh, had in people's lives and people looking for answers, etc, and falling into this kind of like um, like the fear of the unknown kind of thing and how these conspiracy theories give response and give reasons for things that people are fearful of, et cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the other thing is that the education here switched to a very huge influence of sort of the uh, postmodern type, um, philosophies in the sense that people were taught coming up through the 60s and 70s and continuing till now this sort of thing about how everybody is equal, every thought is equal every opinion is equal
1: mm-hmm.
5: you see where I'm going?
1: yeah, no, no, I I see. See. Indeed. yeah. this is a lot because for you- the, yeah. uh, the crazies to walk mm-hmm. equal with us
5: yeah, so like you know all these things. This is we hear them saying things like someone's presented with facts, and then these are there are these these alternative facts because well that's what I think, that's what I yep. believe. As if what you believe when it comes to science is has as much credibility as what a scientist is trying to tell you. Yeah.
3: So it's like so, and that... it. And that that is something like from this this book that I've been reading over the summer. It's like that idea of believing in science and rationality and reason is really, you know, in the course of human history, fairly new. I mean, that was like the 1700s. So we've been mm. sort of relying on that for just a couple. But when your years.
1: parents take a bunch of acid and the
3: and then they get <laughs>
1: older and they've been telling you your whole life, hey man, you know, like everything you think is amazing <laughs> and beautiful, and you become a fucking <laughs> either a, a screaming liberal or a fucking white supremacist right-winger, you're you're really, like, indoctrinated to believe that you think that's amazing. Yeah, my parents told me so. Yeah, interesting. But that's not subjective. Oh. That's not just to this generation. I mean, all through time, look at the Egyptians, look at the Romans, look at the Greeks, like, there's eh, Turks – Russians, whatever, Canadians, like, you know, <laughs> Canadians.
7: yeah, Canadians, uh, I got I have the Argentines, only thing, that. You... Argent-
1: by the way, I have a question, Marcelo, when referring to yes. your people as a, a noun, as a group, is it Argentinians or Argentines, oh, in
3: English, in English, Argent, That's very helpful. I have wondered that for many
7: years. <laughs> Argentinian. Yeah, now now, it, it, I need to confess something that one of the pillars of my human, uh, of my faith in humanity was Canada, because when I was looking all the road and all these places are crazy, Canada was like the north place to look. But now 20% of people believe in the computer No, No,
5: no, 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 no. 20% of the people in the region that I'm
1: in, not all over the country.
7: Oh, oh, no, no. oh. Uh, uh, Thank you. Also,
1: guys, thank I you. don't <laughs> know for sure, but we might be kicked off and, in about a minute because in the past,
0: uh-huh.
1: we have... Avik, <laughs> Hold on. I want to say one thing. This is amazing. Normally, we have two guests. Musician... Five-question person. And normally we get, you know, Marcelo, Carol, you've been around a lot. We get like up to two and a half, 245. We're about to hit three hours. Normally, Podbean kicks us up at three hours. Tonight we had one guest, Avik, and he is a quiet man, so he told me. But he's managed to stay with us for, I mean, you called in around like nine o'clock. I mean, this has been two and a half hours. Yeah, something no. like that. So we might get <laughs> well, kicked off. we haven't
3: been able to hang out before.
1: <laughs> we might get kicked off. I mean, normally they give me a little bit of a warning. I, I'm willing to go later, just so you know. But we might get kicked off in about 20 seconds. And if so, I want to thank you all what? and thank all our listeners and all the people that will download this in the next few days. Um, and then let's continue until we – let's be like Donald Trump. Let's pretend um, this will never end. Can,
5: can I – <laughs> can i can just, I just clarify, say I can just, i just oh sorry i want i, I just,
1: to just want to clara- say yeah
0: no go ahead <laughs> go ahead carol
5: <laughs> i wanted to just clarify that when i said 20 percent 20 percent believe some aspect of these
1: conspiracy and i'm theories. just getting notification okay, not, by the not, way that we're going to be cut off in about a, a one minute now they just let me know
3: well so so adam thanks this was like way more fun than I actually thought. Great. <laughs> uh, and it, it was great. Uh, so I, I'm glad you're doing this kind of thing. And maybe I'll call in just for fun. Yeah. on some <laughs> other show. Yes. Thank
7: you. Potato. Yeah. Thank Potato. you. Everybody there in the chat. Thank you so much for your feedback. Joanne, Potato, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. I mean, to, help, to give us material. We give us material. That's lovely. Marcelo,
1: thank you so much for, being here every week and contributing and being my friend and my teacher. Carol, thank you so much. I'm sorry I got it wrong with the salad. Uh. No, I like that too. What are
0: you talking about?
7: I'm just kidding. I we love kidding. your we love your snoring, Carol. We love your snoring. <laughs> oh my God. We just I'm love.
1: love this forever. This is the best thing about COVID. This, <laughs> this is, is, is the best thing about
5: COVID. <laughs> But I fell asleep on, like, a Zoom thing with Yano and Eugene and people like that, too. I'm going to have this.
0: <laughs> you're,
1: you and James are this, the only two people that have fallen asleep and snored on our show. I'm going to love this forever. <laughs> all right, guys. You should sample that. I, 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 I will try to figure that out. I will do that. I will do that. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>
7: Thank you. Thank Adam. you so much. Thank, Thank you. Me. I love you all. Bye, Bye, bye. Love you, too. Love you, too.
5: Bye.
7: Love you. Bye. Bye.